0: First of all, thanks a lot for coming on here, man. We haven't talked in a while, but the thing I always remember about you is you were like this hard charger and great operator as far as I as far as I knew, as far as I saw, but you were also just super funny and super like fun to be around. I mean, every time we interacted was like it was a it was a blast so um yeah i just want to say thanks for coming on appreciate it man i'm happy to be here thanks for having me yeah yeah so let's get started let's uh i, I was reading through your bio and i just saw like i mean it like i said before before we got on here it's says jam packed with gems of awesomeness so let's dig right in and, uh you, you can start like with your um your childhood yeah just go from there so like i yeah everybody kind of says like um they're they're catalyst to, to prompt them to go into the military so like what was that for you what, what uh what caused you to to make that choice
1: so kind of twofold right um number one my grandfather you know world war ii the bulge veteran my dad was a vietnam helicopter pilot. mom was an air force nurse my brother uh, my oldest brother went into the army and then has recently cross-trained to become attack p my other brother went into I the just air read force that. yeah so uh there's that and then uh you know i think my uh, class rank in high school was like uh 152 out of 153 so uh <laughs> options weren't exactly uh presenting themselves we'll put it that way <laughs>
0: right <laughs> then, so then uh, did you get right into attack peak career field or did you did you have that guaranteed or did you have to go to basic first and then you know a lot of guys there's a couple different paths people take and yeah which one was yours
1: so i did the uh, open general um was going to do either pga combat control whatever um of course you know I got down to tech school Passed the initial test, didn't get very much further after that because I just can't swim fast because I'm a little right. bit of a husky guy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then Massargonne comes along and I swear that dude could sell uh, popsicles to, you know, a woman wearing white gloves, you know, <laughs> uh, he's like, Hey man, you like uh, Florida? I'm like, yeah, I like Florida. He's like, "Are yeah, spring break. I'm like, of course I have. He's like, you ever in my city? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, cool, sign this. And I'm like, all right. And I took PT <laughs> test and off I, off I went.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, do you remember who that was? Who was the recruiter back then?
1: Massard Gardner.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was an instructor uh, when I was going through tech school. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a great dude. Um, yeah, so then tell me about that. So I I know you went, you have an interaction with another guest I've had on, a good buddy of ours, uh, Brandy. Um, so with the 60, 680 second was your first assignment at a tech school?
1: Yeah, so I uh, completed tech school in just a shade under nine months. I was a falcon-hawk-eagle. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: Do you want to go into uh, that at all, or is, it, is, is yeah, that better I mean, left well, unsaid? I
1: no, block for uh, the first time. I uh, found out I'm not quite the good land navigator, you know. Uh, growing up uh, in you know suburban Boston, not a lot of woods right. to walk through. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and then I got two days from graduation. I uh, got caught sneaking out of the dorms or something. It was something stupid, and then I got a day one recycle. So oh, I, had to, I was on details all the way through, had to go through the field again. And, uh, yeah, so I went up going to the field three times while I was in tech school. So that was a that was, that was gem. You get yeah,
0: your get money's to, worth uh, on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I get to I show up at Shaw in South Carolina and like one of the first dudes I talked to is like, Hey man, how come you don't wear your bubble? I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? They're like, Oh, I heard you went to scuba school out of, out of tech school. And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I remember first supervisor, Brandy, uh, you know, we were all to get there together. Uh, probably, uh, didn't make the best going as a troop, you know? Uh, <laughs> so about a week after we met, he uh, came banging my door down. Uh, you know, it was like 11 o'clock or something. And I'd gone out the night before and I had seen him, whatever. Uh, he's like, what are you doing? You know, he's like, you, you know, I remember I like peeked open the curtains, like, Oh crap, that's my boss. Open the door. He's like, you got 30 seconds to get in my Jeep and get dressed. I was like, oh boy, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> a little did I know it, you know, August in South Carolina, he has zipped up all the windows in his Jeep, turned the heater on. Uh, and it was about a 15 minute ride at the shop. So by the time we get there, you know, I'm doing some like, Hey, got a little banged up the night before. I'm just sweating. And he's like, right. "Hey man, you get two choices. You can go in to see the first starting right now, or you can, uh, you can go wash the vehicles for a month every Friday. I'm like, I will take option two. <laughs> ran out to the motor pool and just wanted to like throw my guts up. Uh, so. <laughs> but yeah, that was like yeah. one of my first interactions with
0: Brandy. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I talked to a lot of guys on here that like back in the day, that kind of punishment was always better than getting paperwork or official, you know, Air Force uh, punishment. You know, we, and I, you know, I've sanded and painted my fair share of jerry cans and, you know, wash and wax Stanley Vidmar lockers. And so... I, it's just, it's great. These supervisors that like kind of see in us the potential. They see we're kind of knuckleheads in the beginning, but they're like, like this guy's gonna be good eventually. So I'm not gonna trust him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're a, So yeah, go from there. What, yeah. What? So you went to Southern Watch uh, from uh, the 682nd? Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so that was like the uh, that was the best kept secret ever because you have know, mixed Bucks and like, hey, who's who's up for you know reenlistment? So we'd kick you over there, actually so get a tax free and reenlistment. So it was kind of a good deal. Nice. Um, yeah, I got back uh, from that trip September 7th, 2001. Uh, you know, so obviously, four days later, it happened. So I get, you know, phone calls cause I'm on my block leave or whatever. And you know, it's like, hey, when, you know, what's happening? What are you leaving? And I'm like, you know, my wife at the time was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you leaving again? I'm like, I have no idea. I turn on TV. So I turn on the TV, whatever. And I was like, oh, crap. I called my unit. And like, I was like, yeah, you'll be fine, whatever. Uh, so then we went on leave for, i think it was thanksgiving or christmas i think it's christmas got recalled off of leave and then spent, started my uh journey around the world to get to kuwait so it was a huh. very interesting uh journey We loaded c5 at shaw and then flew almost 15 days west to get to kuwait was what was the deal uh, i don't know so whoever the logistician was, was like oh yeah they can hop on this plane we can get them all in one flight and we just started going west so we had travis Hawaii, Guam, Diego, Thailand. Geez, I don't remember else. I think that was like pretty much the highlights. But you know, like we, you know, one of the days we landed in Guam, plane hits the ground, the emergency doors, both of them fall in. This dude's sitting in the rows, so we're like, oh, this is awesome. You know, this is after, like you know we've broken down three times before. Like this plane's never gonna make it. <laughs> uh, so they they fix that. We land in Thailand, breaks again, <clears throat> and I remember we we're sitting in the bar in Thailand uh, you know, just drinking at the airport and the little guy that was there had gone to sleep with a blanket on. We just put money on the counter going behind him, getting beers and stuff. And uh like, all right, it's time to go. So we like start piling up to the plane and all of us like looking because the dude on the on those stilts or whatever uh scaffolding, he's like pouring some pouring something into the engine, doing something to the engine as we're going, I'm like, hurry up, you guys go load up. We don't get out of here in the next forty-five minutes, we'll be stuck here a week for the air show, and we're like, Well, let's just get stuck here then. <laughs> right. <laughs> it didn't, didn't work out.
0: So, oh, yeah. I mean, every time we ever took a C5 anywhere, it always broke. I don't know what the deal was with those planes. I don't know if it was by design because they wanted to, like you said, extend their, their trip or what. But yeah, every single time, they broke down somewhere cool. And it was never, they would never break down at like Fort Bragg or, you know, somewhere like that. It was always like Spain or, you know, someplace cool that they could hang out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: yeah then, awesome. uh, And then, uh, you know, I went to uh, Kandahar uh, that first time, so that was February of '02. Felt like I was driving, you know, in the opening scenes of Platoon because I'm like in a C 130, drove my Humvee off the back, you know, it was dust blowing and stuff. You see people burning stuff. I was like, holy shit, I'm in a movie. Uh, you know, and that was my first real experience. And then that night we climbed up on top of the uh, terminal and just, you know, watch stuff going on around the uh, outside of the uh, campus pretty wild. Uh, when I did the C 5 rolling off, that was rolling into Kandahar after we did our oh. combat descent in a C 130. And we're like, what is going
0: on right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you Know, you're in the back of a C 130. The, you know, Pummies like slamming like this, the chains are going crazy. And I was like, oh, shit, I think we're going to crash. <laughs> so
0: let's go back to, uh, you said there was something about motorcycles. You said,
1: uh, oh, yeah. I, I can't what remember. About- Brand- I don't think brandy was part of that one, but, uh, we used to ride bikes a lot at Shaw. So, like, the whole shop, pretty much every taxi had a motorcycle there and a few other folks. And we'd regularly go out and ride. And we we're on this ride one time and, uh, we, were, we made it to, Lake Watery and back in forty five minutes, and usually takes forty five minutes to get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we were traveling at excess speed, whatever. Uh, of course, cop pulls us over, we're like waiting for one of the guys who was going slow, and I uh, hear all these sirens. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then you know, cops from every direction. I'm like Rrr! slide up. Um, the one cop gets the other dudes away. We all sit there and get our tickets written. And then the first time, I guess I knew the cop because he grew up in Sumter, and like like a you know typical. E4 idiot me. I was like, hey, First Sergeant, I you going to come to your office on Monday and give you this ticket? And he's like, Brooke, shut up, you know, whatever. And then of course <laughs> we get back to the gate. They had already called the gate because they knew it was a bunch of Air Force guys. We got him up there too. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty funny. But Jeez. yeah, I was like, my ticket was like 135 and a thirty.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> we were doing stupid, tacky things uh, as a young airman.
0: Yeah, well as we all did. Yeah. Yeah. Um i heard a uh, story about air assault school where uh you and johnny did something uh oh yeah so we uh we get to go we to the premier light
1: fighter school in uh fort drum new york
0: uh, sign in They're like
1: oh yeah your barracks over there and the us these master lock keys we're like what why do i have master lock key like oh you're building whatever it was so we go over to the building you know it's like the splinter barracks and um fort Bragg. You know, like we can tell me that uh ice back it bragged yeah same thing like that, they like converted into rooms. And uh we go up to the second floor, like oh, what's this number, and there's like no kidding, a padlock, like a pass with a master lock key, like put it in, open it up, you know, like a light bulb hanging from the ceiling and like one bed. <laughs> I'm like, This that's not working. So, you know, me and Johnny wound up getting uh getting a room on base at the hotel and uh you know, of course got a ton of crap from that from the whole Air army guy's like oh too good for that air force you know you're getting that special pay i guess on. i'm like yep you know it bud <laughs> so, yeah it, it uh it was not a good show because we got a lot of extra attention for that uh, all through air Assault school
0: oh yeah i'm sure you got some extra calisthenics or something, <laughs> or sure, something. Yeah. yeah so tell me about let's go back to uh your interaction with brandy um he was like well, one of the first guys i had on here um so it's interesting to hear about his time at shaw i don't think he went into that very much but um i know he put you through the paces you well know, brittany was an
1: awesome supervisor he was really good he was my first supervisor as a matter of fact um you know he uh you know i'm not i'm not the brightest uh you know sharpest knife in the shadow whatever and uh he was uh, very patient with me i guess we could <laughs> yeah. say you know and like and then when he would get really frustrated he'd like, hey, man let's do some good battles uh you know and that's that's how he <laughs> took his frustration out so it was pretty funny but yeah we had a a guy there, I, I won't mention his name, but uh, man, when you talk about you know that airman that just does all the textbook things that like they tell you not to do, so that guy was the guy, right? You know, um, married the first girl he met. You know, oh. shacked up in the trailer park with her mom and her sister. So you know you know, that, you know where that's going, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. He was one of the guys who brought a motorcycle too. Crashed it, uh, got it out of the shop, went thirty feet so like the highway in front of Shad. Has that you know it's like two lane highway with the media in the middle in the, uh, Honda shop was in the, uh, on the highway. So he gets in the middle, spins out, crashes the thing again, before he even gets it like 30 feet, come to find out it's not insured. He hasn't been making payments, you know, so like he was oh that God. guy, but man, when he got there, uh, we got him good. Uh, you know, so it was like, Hey man, uh, do a general maintenance. Like, oh man, we're up. He's needs some more oil. Let's get some, uh, K9P lubricant, bud. <laughs> and, you know, send him to the, uh, supply shed, they'd send him somewhere on base and he went all the way around base to every fighter's squad asking for k9p you know the next week it was generally generating maintenance again we're like hey these uh these tubes are corroded let's get some fallopian tubing and then the, the supply sergeant <laughs> at the time happened to be a female
0: so we <laughs> called ahead and we're
1: like hey we're sending him over here to do this like just play along she's like okay yeah no problem So she sends him to the orderly room. He still doesn't, like, catch on that he's, like, getting another trick played on him uh, from the orderly room. So she sends him to another squadron and so on and so forth. Again, all the way around base, all the fighter squadrons, you know, kind of got a – did all that. And it was just funny, man. He, like, just never caught on that. We were screwing with him bad. And (laughs) I think the time we did K9P, someone come out with, like, you know, those rubber gloves that go up to your elbows, the splash guard, and the, you know, smock thing. And I – someone had actually peed in the bottle and I handed it to him <laughs> but, it was, but yeah no, so it was it was a good time to try. it was definitely it was definitely a pretty uh, tight unit uh there so it was a good place to start out. And, uh you know just just a lot of fun i guess
0: yeah you had a lot of good uh a lot of heavy hitters there like brandy vince fox like who else who else you say was there joe um, was there
1: um oh chris yeah chris was there.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh, void of yeah. course, he is awesome. Who yeah, else?
1: It was awesome when Boyd, Boyd got there, is you know, PT had a whole new meaning, you know, because he started yeah. doing all the dice PT and the card PT and that, that. To his credit, man, like he was obviously, you know, not old but a little older at that point, and man, whatever he put out, it didn't matter if it took him till almost lunch he could finish. It was just, you know, it was it was awesome to see those kind of dudes, uh, you know, yeah. by, you know, lead by example that way. So it was kind of awesome.
0: For sure, he was in charge. He was the regimental. Um ncyc when i was at third battalion so yeah and he he did the same thing with us he you know would do all kinds of crazy pt and it was awesome i was in the best shape of my life when he you know just doing what he told me to do yeah yeah uh, it, was,
1: it was good though now like in my near, like i said chris Jenner came in so it was you know i got two really good supervisors right in a row and chris you know um put me through the pace i just got back from jump school and he's like hey man you know how to like jump i'm like yeah dude I just got back from jump school he's like all right get in you know get all your stuff together so i grabbed my ruck he's like all right put all your stuff on so, of course, I put it on in the room. He's like, all right, now do it over here. Puts me in a room, in a, like a, a, you know, closet in the dark. He's like you have one minute to get your stuff and he taught me a very valuable lesson. Like, hey, man, you always get a pack your rucksack the same way. I was like one of those, you know, he's got tons of nuggets of wisdom. He was always dropping. But uh, that was one of the ones that really stuck with me. It was, you know, uh, he's like, hey, man, you, get a, you understand how you pack your stuff. You get to pack your stuff for reason. You get to bring things for reason. Like think through all of it, you know, all your gear and everything. So it's, it's one of those lessons that really resonated with me. And then. The other one that i really liked from him was uh he had this furry pink monkey with like the long arms and the velcro so you squeeze <laughs> yeah. it makes the noise every time you go on a cast tdy the guy that either did worse than the mic or just didn't do did that sound confident have to wear that out all night so they have like a pink monkey on the front of him all night long it was pretty funny
0: <laughs> that guy is great uh yeah. I, I learned a lot from him as well he he like you said every time you spoke to him even if it was just like you're just bsing he would always drop some sort of nugget that was like you're like some sort of light bulb went on, you know, and he, yeah, sure. he was just, and the guy's been around forever. I mean, he was a, a Marine, you know, back when, in Beirut and he was, yep. you know, an army guy and then he was an air force guy. He's just a phenomenal dude. Sure. Yeah. Then you guys, were you at the at first bat together? Uh, or was he, had he already gone? By... So No,
1: he was, he came from first bat to 682nd. And then oh, gotcha. Okay. When OIF started to spin up, that's when, you know, I guess, uh, 17 said, "Hey, we need augmentees." They pulled him back and asked oh. if there was anyone there. So he took me along, and uh, I got stuck over it. I don't say stuck. I got put it for for a third
0: bat. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So and it was uh again back back with Brandy now. So it's funny. it was funny, you know, just, uh, <laughs> he was the NCIC of uh, B flight at that time, and uh yeah, it was Mark, Nick, Otter, Hank. Who else was there when I was there? when I when I first got there? I think those are, the, those are the names that stick out, but you know, uh, Cap Thompson was halo and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was really good. And uh, it was an interesting journey going from uh, ASOC Weenie guy to uh, trying to play a j JTAC on TV uh, right. in about 90 days. So it was, it was pretty funny. So, and then uh, Hank thankfully picked me to be the guy. So it was me, Bickle, and uh, Muller that were, you know, trying out, I guess, for a spot there. So Bickle wound up going to first bat. And then Muller, I can't remember what he did. But. Yeah, so I want to uh, get attached in into the Cico there for the OIF invasion.
0: Yeah, tell me a little about, I mean, uh, I know you didn't have many jumps before OIF. No. Yeah, so, so tell I did, me about that.
1: I did five jumps in jump school and then didn't jump for two or three years, uh, did three training jumps at Benning during that, you know, because um, it was it was late 02, like November of 02 like january of 03 or something or february i did that you know train up there as an augmentee i did three daytime jumps at fryer uh with equipment and then my ninth jump was into iraq uh, didn't quite go as planned uh you know uh, <laughs> as most people know but uh that's funny and you know the jump was pretty funny too because the only reason i knew the ground was coming up uh here dude behind me uh, you know make that <laughs> noise I'm like oh i should lower my equipment and i was so close to ground, I'd, I never got tension, broke the battery box on my radio. So I wound up taping batteries to my radio for a while till I get a new one. Uh, and then 30 seconds out the gate, did another bonehead cherry move. So, you know, I go by KDU? And, you know, it was like when the uh, Fox, yeah, I think it was 117 Fox, yeah. You know, either removal KDU. So I put a snap link on it and I was like, oh, I'm going to be cool, man. I'm putting it on my uh, backpack you know, or my rucksack, whatever. It's a nice clip here. So as I'm doing that, I'm dragging my chute to the, where we're throwing them to the, Collect all the shoots, and I snap link it in there. what I didn't realize is I did like this and snap link onto my static line. So when I get to the shoot pile, I just go like this, throw my uh, KDU, and didn't realize for about 30 minutes. And now, now I'm like, I'm gonna swing that. So I wanted the first two days in Iraq, I want to broken off an emitter on the airfield there. So it was uh, or on the HL HLZ whatever that we uh, jumped into
0: for those who don't know kdu is the is the remote face of the radio that we used to use so you could you didn't have to take your rucksack off and program your your radio you could do it all from this kind of remote control thing and the embedder is just the other radio that we had that was um kind of like a handheld uh radio that was didn't have a, a, as much power as the as the big radio but then I, what i couldn't believe is in is this true you got that kdu back eventually didn't you like
1: yeah so um not the not the best way to make a showing uh, with Ranger. <laughs> uh, my one of the platoon was like, "Hey, bud, this yours?" And I'm like, "Yep, sure." He's like, try not to lose it again. So uh, they they found it in the shoe piles, I guess, as they were loading stuff. And he had heard me talking about it uh, when we were sitting at the CP. So he brought it back over, uh, which was good for me because now I had both my radios back, which was good. Yeah,
0: no doubt. Yeah, How then lucky? And,
1: yeah, and then, you know, had the uh, almost comic. Movie PL, you know, every morning he's like, Hey, we struck her at, and I'd hear him from my little hole I had dug, and I'm like, oh, God, This again, there was this, you know, we were the way we were facing on the uh, where we had jumped into, there was a road that came up, made an S curve where it looked like they were driving to us, and then it made another turn to the right back to the north to go around where we were because we were kind of on an elevated position every morning. To wake me up, hey man, he's coming for us, get assets on station. I'm like, Sir, so finally, I lay out the map, like, Sir, there's a road. It goes right here, it turns, comes at us, and then it turns again. North. Please stop waking me up in the morning. Cause like we doing, <laughs> you know, patrols all night and stuff like that. On the yeah. So it was like a couple of hours I got to sleep a day. Uh, so it was pretty funny. And then, yeah, I think I, I wrote in I've uh, written in the um thing. Yeah, me and First Sergeant, uh, we meet First Sergeant Pippin. Uh, so he great guy, but man. He come by and he's like trooping the line like he should. He's like, hey, force march, stand back, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't pack those first sergeant. Like I had way too much other stuff. Uh you just better do something, get some cover on this uh, you know, fighting position. I'm like, okay, cool. Like like again, typical idea I was like an E five at this time. i push a bunch of dirt up, took a uh, MRE box, wrote in a "Be like, please don't step on the grass and like stuck it there. So the <laughs> next day he come to the troops line, he was none too happy about that uh joke. He didn't he didn't find it as funny as I did. Now just making make a, a good impression right from the, right from the word go. Right.
0: Wait, so let's back up to training. Uh... The thing I liked about the Rangers is they have a unique um, array of weapon systems. Like they, they, um, they are very self-sustaining with, with regard to like taking it to the enemy. But you had a, you had never experienced all those weapon systems before. Tell me about the first experience with the Carl G.
1: Oh yeah, so we were out at uh, God, which range is it? I can't remember the, name, the number of range. It was like Range Twenty Two or something. They were doing um, you know, just things like Battle Drill Six or something. So we're up on a kind of a, a ridge with the CP. I'm controlling the uh, little birds that are coming in and the goose is like, you know, two or three positions down, maybe 10 or 15 feet. So it wasn't very far from me. And all of a sudden dude lets a round off. I was like, what the, you know, like it's scared to have a little, and Hank just starts dying laughing. Cause I felt like jump. I was laying on my back watching little birds come over me and I jumped like probably two feet in the air, you know, and he's like, dude, it's cool, man. It's just the Carl G you're all right. I was like, a little morning would have be been great, man. I think he I think he did it on purpose, kind of, quite honestly. Oh, for sure, sure yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was funny. Yeah. I mean, it it's good. loud. I mean and that, that same iteration to you know, the FSNCO again making the splash. We just, you know, we're calling in the little birds and I kept walking them in closer and closer. He's like, All right, Air Force, that's close enough, you know, kind of thing. So <laughs> it's like, cut it out. You know, I was like a little kid with the in the candy store. It was the first time I really got to ever control him and all that kind of stuff. So it was just yeah. Crazy.
0: We're using uh, guns and rockets or we're you just walking them with guns or. Just walking them with guns. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. And then I think the last pass, they went like, you know, directly over our head, all the shells come falling down on us and you know, they're shooting maybe 150 meters of us. it's like, that's close enough air force. We're like, okay, cool, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's crazy with that brass coming down. Cause you don't think about it with any other assets. I mean, we're used to controlling like fixed wing aircraft that are 10,000 feet and all the casings are internal. And so let's go back to H1 and you were going out to the sniper position tell me a little bit about that like what uh what that entailed yeah
1: so um this was after i had gone up to think to them again you know like um they were looking like hey you, you know kind of volunteering for people to come up but again it was like really after the big fighting had happened and we we're just going up to reinforce and kind of like uh rip out some of the dudes that have been there like brandy and tommy they've been up there for days uh going at it right so i get on the convoy I go up there and um one of the first things i do is I get to the CP and they're like, hey, man, you get to go to the sniper position? I'm like, okay, where's it at? So they point and there's, you know, the little VS 17 panel. I think they marked themselves with whatever because, you know, they had that out. I'm like, okay, cool. They're like, who's coming with me? Like, no, man, you're going by yourself. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but where's my Ranger buddy? You know, like, because, you know, <laughs> right. the last five months it's like, hey, don't ever go anywhere by yourself. Always have a Ranger buddy. And I'm like, but who's going with me? They're like, ah, man, you're good. Just go by yourself. So I um, grab the soft land, uh, put it in my ruck. Start walking there, and you know, I'm walking through open country in Iraq, and you know, I, you know buttholes, this puckered kind of thing. You know, I was definitely uh scared as a young E5 because you know, I'd never done it before, and I knew you know, I obviously knew there was a huge battle that had happened. You know, there's still plenty of indicators that it happened, so you know, I you know, I think it was about a kilometer maybe ish. You know, I'd I overwatched the whole time, which I didn't think about that they were watching me walk the whole time, all right. But yeah, no, so I get up there, and uh, we set up there for about I don't know, eight hours or so we're scanning like hey we think the mortars over here so i set up a soft lamp and i'm just you know scanning back and forth scanning back and forth finally i see uh the mortar plume go like that from where they had shot in one of the courtyards i'm like oh hey i got him. Like, all right so we got some f-16s overhead and uh called in on the uh courtyard in the building wound up uh shutting that mortar down for good and uh yeah so it's funny you know everyone when everyone complained about laser controls, as I was an older, you know, older guy, and especially it's the opposite. Of, Why don't you laser controls so stupid? I'm like, you might just use it one day, you know, kind of thing. Right. It's, it's just one <laughs> of those, you know. So I break that one out every once in a while. It's like, yeah, I used it combat the one time. So it's pretty, pretty interesting to, to do that for real.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know uh, Brandy and Tommy were using it quite a bit on the, on the dam as well during that, that battle. So yeah, it's not every time, and if you're out walking around, it's not something you're going to lug around for days on end, but. If you're mounted, for sure, bring that bad boy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was just like interesting too, you know. And then that was the other funny thing about like as I'm driving into Haditha, I hear Tommy talking to one of the plans. He's like, "Hey, I'd like to orient you to Haditha bombing range," you know, because at that point, he, you know, in, in typical Tommy fashion, it had gotten that, you know, he's I don't know if he was like, you know, it's that tired or just you know had had, had enough, you know, kind of thing. He was just you know, yeah, yeah, doing that. And I think I'd I already gotten like. One of the pilots complained about, you know, professionalism. So I'm like, you oh, know, that guy just got, like, blown up for, like, three days straight. Like, cut up some slack <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, you know? exactly.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, I just, I always, I mean, I can't imagine what those guys were going through up there. I mean, just getting shelled and, you know, getting shot at for, like, three days. And, you know, Brandy and Tommy were both talking about how they got, like, no sleep. And, uh, man, just a harrowing experience for sure. Yeah. Wow. Um,
1: and then, you know, I get up there and it was, you know, hey, we are just, we're still, conducting cast, but, you know, the first, when I get on the Stillwater, I was doing cast, I was using the sniper spotting scope, go, but like a 40 by, to see the vehicles we were hitting it, it was that far away at that point, you know, they pushed them back that far, so it was, it was pretty amazing, you know, what they had done in such a short time with, you know, such a small force.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, tell me a little bit about the H1 uh, hooch shenanigans that went on.
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh... Again, I got a little infamous because, uh, you know, I, I've, I'm obviously a chow hong. Everybody knows that. And, uh, right. you know, so I was taking, you know, like main meals. I'm like, oh, I'm going to mix this main meal with, like, this, you know, humanitarian meal. Like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like, you know, and I'm just eating everything. I'm like, we think you're the only guy that ever gained weight on a deployment, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, someone got the bright idea because I was wearing Gendron's pants at the time because uh, we finally got back to H1. We had jumped in the uh, chem suits or whatever. Uh-huh. And I put, like an idiot, I put uh, Sunblock in my pocket so I could, like, get to it. Man, when okay. I hit the ground and the jump, it just splattered everywhere, so, like, my whole chem suit was, you know, covered in Sunblock oil, and it was just gross, so I needed a change of pants, but ISU hadn't gotten there, and Jen was like, oh, I got some, you know, he's, like, a medium short, and I'm, like, a large regular or, you know, at that point, so it was pretty comical, to, you know, like, I Pee Wee Herman pants on it, like, you know, up, up to my shins and everything, and then pretty ill-fitting, uh, and then it Turned into like, hey, but you can't fit into Thompson's flight suit. And you remember Thompson, he wasn't a really tall guy either. So, right, right. Yeah, there's pictures of me floating around in like a, you know, 28 small flight suit as like, you know, 180, 200 pound dude. <laughs> so, yeah, I was bet uh, to do that. And it was funny. And just, it was funny too, because that hooch we were staying at, I can't remember what it was. But there's something about it, we posted up in there, like spray painted all kinds of stuff on, you know, I think Tommy like spray painted like windows on the concrete wall, someone drew like flowers in a pot and stuff like that with spray paint, we we're just being idiots and had all that stuff. in there. And then like, we were in there like a week, and then someone's coming in like, hey, guys, we're supposed to be living here. We're like, why? And then like, there's something like, I can't remember what it was, there it was something they found in there, or like, someone had gotten really sick from something in there. And we were just like, hanging out there for like, almost a week and a half before we uh, wound up getting out of that room. So,
0: what like chemical weapons or no no, uh, no it was like
1: some I don't remember what it was just like someone got really sick with like some skin rash thing or something you know like oh really? I don't know if it was like a flesh eating virus or something but you know what I mean I don't think it was that bad but it was someone that got gotten really sick and we didn't know and we were just hanging out in that building and no one told us for like a week so it's pretty funny, jeez,
0: and then uh um tell me about Iraqi Freedom fries,
1: oh that was up on the DM too so as we were you know just. Watching the town of Aditha, I can't remember what it was that. Um, so Sean and his team come up and you know, Ron for like two nights um to just kind of like refit and hang out. Sean O'Neill. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So he came up. They were hanging out there, and then I can't remember why they had potatoes. They had a bag of potatoes. We could not. I can't remember for life of me why they had a bag of potatoes. So the next day. <laughs> um we went down to patrol into the town so the guys kind of stay in that area with them we basically wound up stealing like a little propane burner we found a jug of propane and then found a pot and we brought all of it back you know and then that <laughs> night we're by headlamp cutting up and peeling potatoes and stuff and uh, i can't remember if it was sean or one of the mortar guys but it's the most hilarious thing i think i ever heard he's like you know Inside every Iraq potato is American French fry waiting to get out and we're making it happen <laughs> as he's like cutting potatoes. I was dying laughing, you know, just, <laughs> just, yeah. So we call them Iraqi freedom fries after that. And then, you know, for the next couple of days, we made French fries every night. And it was just, you know, one of those
0: weird things you do,
1: uh, on a deployment.
0: Yeah. It's so, it's so funny how, you know, at one minute you're jumping into H1 and everything's, you know, like you said, or you're walking to a sniper position and the pucker factor is like through the roof. And then the next minute you're doing something like that. I mean that's really kind of how it went. You're either, you know, you went on some mission that where you almost crash or you almost get shot, and then you come back and you watch a whole season of, you know, The Shield or something, and it's fine. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's odd. Combat's always been odd that way. Where I mean I think that's kind of I mean in, uh, tell me if you agree with this, but you almost kind of have to do stuff like that because if you just sat around worrying all the time that you were that you were gonna get blown up or get shot or whatever, yeah. you just drive yourself crazy. So yeah, you definitely you almost have to. Blast him. Him.
1: Yeah, so I definitely, I definitely had an FSNTO like that. You know, every time the uh, horn went off, he ran to the bunker, and I'm just like, yeah, man, not having that. Like, I'll let me know if, uh, let me know when it's over or whatever. But yes, yeah, he was the guy that, uh, like you said, watching TV he had, like seasons of Seinfeld. And I think, uh, you know, that deployment to Mosul, I think I watched the entire collection of Seinfeld like two or three times because uh, we just, just watch it. You know, when you're on, we're not on a mission. You just, what are you gonna do? I almost watch Seinfeld.
0: Right. You go to the gym, you eat, and then you watch TV or whatever, and mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, do you have anything else about H uh, one or anything about that deployment before we move on to your six o four ASOS time?
1: No, not really. It was, uh, like I said, it was it was a really, um, it was one of those things where it's uh, experience is one thing you never have until after you need it. Uh, right. Kind of moments. Uh, yeah. But I was definitely thankful to have the opportunity, and you know, apparently I didn't screw it up too bad because I, uh, you know got uh, invited back later on. So that was always a, a good thing for but, sure. Uh, yeah. It was actually funny. Cause right after that happened, I think there was another selection or assessment or whatever it was at that time. And uh, I put my package in, I was selected and I had orders to Korea and that's why I wound up at the 604th this you know, making that transition. Um, okay. I can't remember what it was and, you know, and I think Colonel human actually written me a letter of recommendation to the squadron, which was weird. Um, and my package was good to go. And I can't remember who was at ACC at the time. They're like, nope, he hasn't been to Korea yet. He needs to go to Korea. So I I went to Korea for a year. And then that's when I uh up the first bat after that.
0: Okay. But, yeah. Just to to I want to touch on something that people might not understand. Uh, we kind of glossed over a little bit. But um, when you your your time with uh, 3rd Battalion, like most of us, when we got to the Rangers, we had a, a, a lot of time to kind of get to know all the guys and train up and know their TTPs and and be very well uh, ingrained in their operations, you didn't have that luxury. Like, you had a very short time, if any, uh, exposure to anything Ranger, and then, you, bam, you're in Iraq. So it's commendable. To I mean, I think it's very commendable that you were able to not only, you know, just get thrown right in the meat grinder but then do well while you were there. I mean, I think that's really commendable. So I, I want people to understand that it wasn't – it's not an easy thing what you did. I mean, it's, it, it was almost harder for you than it was for anybody else. I think, frankly, No, anyway, and, to, and Bickle and. It absolutely. And was a huge
1: learning curve, but you know, I can't, I can't, you know, say enough that, you know, guys like Nick DelBingo, I mean, I think he, Jesus, probably an entire week he sat in front of a dry erase board explaining like how an airfield seizure goes down. And then, you know, training me on a uh, little bird call for fire and then taking me out to go do it. And then, you know, walking around base with me and, you know, Mark the same thing, uh, Brandy, you know, Hank, show me how to set up my gear, you know, like if it wasn't for those guys, like, you know, taking hold of me and just, I mean, they wrapped their around me you know, from the word go and really, um, made it happen. Cause again, you know, they, they knew I was going to be out there with them. So they, you know, did everything they could do, uh, make sure I was as trained as I could be. And they, you know, in my opinion, they did an awesome job. Cause I didn't, I wasn't, uh, I didn't go in there scared. I didn't know something. Uh, obviously, there's yeah. tons of stuff I didn't know, but like what I did know, I felt, you know, comfortable doing what I was gonna do.
0: Yeah, you got lucky. That that, that everybody you mentioned from Nick, you know, Brand, all those guys are just top-notch guys. Yeah. Yeah, I could see, <laughs> I could see Del Pago like. Nat's asking everything, like just, just explaining every single thing. He's got that kind of brain where he just sees, you know, like he's just smart yeah. as hell. So no, yeah, was you got lucky, man.
1: man. It was, it was awesome, you know, cause it, the thing not of getting super patient dude. Cause once I started yeah. asking questions and I'm just like, I'm pulling on that thread and you know, right, for right. he was just like, you know, answering questions and I was like, Hey chopper, what are we doing
0: chopper? Hey chopper, you know, doing all <laughs> that stuff. So yeah, he
1: was, was, was pretty, uh, pretty patient with me
0: for, for having, asking all those questions and stuff. So it was good. Okay, so you had to go to Korea, like we mm-hmm. all did. Um, tell me about that. You did some stuff with 7th Special Forces Group. Was that during Korea? Was that was while you were yeah, there? So, or? Um, the, the day I got into Korea,
1: they were like, hey, man, you just got back from you know, OIF, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, Where, you know, who'd you go with? I was like, oh, I went with the 3rd bat And they're like, oh, really? It's like, we got a SF because that was the time when everyone was climbing positions. And uh, it got so bad that dudes in Korea were deploying because we weren't doing anything there. So like, Hey, you're going to deploy to Afghanistan. I'm like, okay, cool. And, uh, I think I, wait, so you
0: deployed to Afghanistan out of Korea. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great.
1: I I spent about a month and a half in Korea, um, got greened up and then shot, shout out to Afghanistan It was supposed to be a 90 day deployment or something like that. And it wound up being almost, uh, eight months. So they kept, the team kept extending me, I don't know how it happened, you know, there was obviously some people that were a little miffed uh, when I got done, but you know, it was a, it was a pretty interesting deployment because uh, you know, the team I was with was phenomenal, right? It was a Halo team, yeah. um, super good dudes like Chad, J Love, uh, Jody, you know, I still talk to those guys to this day and, you know, maintain contact with them, that they were that awesome. Um, nice. But you know, we were alone and unafraid out west in Shindan. Uh, so, you know, not a whole lot on there on the Iranian border. Uh, yeah, it was just, you know, the reason they put them out there is that, you know, clans were fighting from Herat uh, up north and with some other guys down south or whatever, you know, to standard tribal stuff. So I guess they dumped a uh, fob out there to kind of put that down. Uh, yeah, so we just, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of action there, but we, you know, did a ton of training. Uh, we got in trouble for shooting like... 15 javelins or something like that so we had like <laughs> i don't know i guess uh, a ton of the javelins for that area and we didn't know it And we were just tra- training with them because we right. had uh you know because we had some downtime and we got them uh the afghanis to drag some old russian vehicles onto a ridge line and then we had a couple tanks out in the uh flat right off the uh side of our compound there so as the 58 would come in we would do live fire training you know almost every day so like you know i knew like the times i'd come back i'd walk on the roof like hey man you want to do some aerial gunnery like yeah sure dude and they would just go out there and shoot all day it was uh pretty fun but you know so some of the new guys as they ripped in didn't know where the fob was and then the bunker that they built because we got caught a couple of rockets and then the engineers like hey we got to build the bunker because we don't have one on the on the fob so he starts building the bunker but they build this like big tube and then on top they like rounded it over, but it was like 12, you know, it was like a 12 foot tall bunker, which was weird anyway, but it rounded off like this and then they painted it this weird flesh color and you know, of course me being an idiot tacky, I'm on the roof and I'm like, dude, that looks like, so me and uh, the Bravo get a number 10 coffee can out of like, you know, the chow place, put some concrete in it and just slapped it on top and got pink paint, you know? (laughs) and uh did that so that became the mark for uh all the oh58 guys flying in when they ripped out they just <laughs> they couldn't get enough of it you know so instead of doing a you know, 17th i was like yeah i'm uh, you know just west of the you know kind of thing. So became a pretty uh-huh. good joke
0: yeah but, going back to that javelin thing i mean it's fun that that's an interesting story because like most yeah. people get to shoot don't get, ever get to shoot a javelin in their life, let alone you know that many. Like one javelin is like crazy because I mean they're they're kind of expensive and you know they're they're not they're not something you just rapid fire downrange. You know it's it's. it's yeah, didn't rapid
1: fire them, we were actually you know we'd uh, throw a couple times in training. We threw thermites in um, the vehicle and then you know get the uh, control unit to lock onto it and shoot them off. And we but yeah, the javelins we had remaining got taken away very quickly because we. <laughs> We put it on the ammo report at the end of like, you know, like two or three weeks, they, every month they had to turn in the, you know, spendex report. And uh, that was, they, they freaked out. Like you shot, how many javelins this month? We're like, uh, we were training.
0: Yeah. Fine. No, it was not totally fine.
1: No. Uh, yeah, uh, so, but now that was, uh, you know, that was also a tough deployment too. Cause we wound up losing a really good guy. So it was, um, one of the, uh, <clears> other <throat> Bravos. He, uh, we we came pretty close and uh we you know we got to the point where we go jogging every day stuff like that and uh new year's day of or new year's of 05. yeah it anyway, doesn't matter um you know so we go out on a mission we go on a present stroll um it quickly turned into hey we got this guy in the area that we knew we wanted to snatch up so we go to the compound kind of soft knock ish uh the compound but go in a little quiet Dude wakes up, you know, standard stuff. But instead of giving up, because we get in a little gunfight in the courtyard, nothing crazy. But instead of giving up, he puts his fr- his his wife and all his kids in front of him. So you know, of course, like um, as they're clearing rooms, Pedro gets to the room he's at. Dude just starts shooting, and like Jeez. I don't know if he was shooting at Pedro or shooting at me because the way the compound lined up, I was basically standing across a small courtyard, pulling long security out the door. He goes into the room and, you know, I get a couple of, uh, rounds go off over my head. I was like, what the, you know, I turn around and that's right about time I see Poppy falling. But, um, to his credit, as he was falling, he shot the dude, dropped him, uh, and didn't hit any of the kids and they were, you know, packed around him. you know, just, uh, you know, so then after that was, uh, you know, a race to get him, get him out of there. And unfortunately, we didn't get him there fast enough, uh, come to find out later that, where he, he got shot in his hip, it hit his hip bone, clipped his femoral, like did a right turn and then went out the other side and clipped the other femoral. But he was oh such a God. good runner. Man, he stayed alive for like almost an hour till we got him out really? of Really? Because his, his heart, his resting heart was just so low. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. But, you know, I'm, you know, on the, I remember it because, you know, we're trying to drive out of there fast. I'm on the top of the truck. I'm just kind of holding his hand. I get sat in the other hand, trying to get him to take off. And I think at one point I yelled on uh you know, I can't remember what the channel was the one that's like all over the country. Uh, you know, that, that channel, I was like, Hey, take off now. And finally, they took off and you know, put him in there and haul ass back. We get back, I you mean, know, an hour later. And you know, for, unfortunately, he was, he was already gone, but you know, it was a really tough one, uh, for the team for sure because they were they've been together for a while. Um, and you know, he basically did that deployment. He's like, I'm gonna do one more deployment than I'm getting out, kind of thing. So, okay, so he, was, he was a much older guy.
0: But
1: yeah, it was it was a tough one, you know, to to take. But you know, it was you know it was one of those first times it actually became real for me. Like, hey, this isn't this isn't a joke, man. That this actually you know affects people and stuff like that. You know, I started to get a little more serious after that. So, but you know, other than that, it was you know good deployment. You know, you know, obviously except for that. But just it's a tough one, you know, that that first time, you know, especially because you know knowing I was the last guy that he talked to
0: yeah man, I'm sorry to hear that.
1: yeah, but you know overall it was a, it, it wasn't a you know it was a good learning experience too, because that team again, you know, like I've been fortunate through all my career it was like location, 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 you know, and I just happened upon what I you know, but you know thought of as the greatest people, and they always took care of me, man. they always someone was always teaching me something and always willing to teach me something, you know, and like the, I learned a lot on that point from those guys. we did a lot of cross training. Uh, You know, everything, weapon systems, medical stuff, uh, you know, some engineering things. And I learned how to like do a bunch of demo charges and all that. So I was was pretty fortunate in my entire career that, you know, I've had those people are just willing to take an interest in me and, you know, invest the time in me.
0: Sure. And that probably set you up for success when you got out of there. Because then after that you went, you were able to go back to the 17th as a a full up 17th member. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell tell me a little bit about that when you got out of Korea. So you redeployed from... Afghanistan with the uh, was it was it with that team or was it with uh just did, was it just your time to go back
1: no so it got to the point where I was playing games at Shindan where I'm like oh I missed that flight and <laughs> you know it was only a couple flights a week out there for yeah. um, to move people so I'm like oh I missed that flight and you know after I did that about three or four times they're like, get on that plane today you know kind of thing and you know I get to yeah. talk in Canada to check in and side me like if you didn't come today I was going to send MPs to come get you because they were, pissed. Oh, I guess, the people in Korea were pissed, and I, I didn't know any of that, you know, because I, I wasn't really checking in my unit that often. I would just send an email once a week, yeah, I'm still alive, you know, kind of thing. But they never yeah. let on that they were, you know, really anxious to get me back. Um, yeah, so did that and redeployed, and it was actually kind of interesting because as I'm redeploying, uh, you know, I get fingerprinted and everything leaving because right before we had, uh, I left the guard unit that was garden Shindane airfield was down the road from our fob so we go there and eat we're coming out one day and uh the guards like hey man can you check those two dudes out they've been digging for like two hours we're like are you serious you're letting someone dig like right in front of the fob there and like yeah we didn't know what they were doing like oh boy so we you know shoot over there um come to like the screeching halt. those two dudes of course like stuck forest dumping out of there um you know, and the funny thing was, is they ran through a field that, you know, this has been, it's been there almost eight months and I had never seen him run, run through that field. Do you remember how the fields they knew mines were in, had the red rocks around them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was one of those fields. And th- those dudes were oh. like straight, full sprint through this field. Um, one of the dudes, you know, calls a gun, so we you know, we take them down. Uh, unfortunately, it was like a little handsaw. Um, but uh, so we, we wound up clear through that, do all that, um, and then where they were digging about 50 meters away was a culvert and there was a double stack AT mine. So two Whoa. anti-tank mines like wired together. And wouldn't you know the hole they were digging was the exact right size for that thing. So, I mean, but because they, you know, the dude had a saw on him, uh, you know, there weren't found weapons, you know, and those other indicators that we knew um, through Intel that these dudes are definitely bad dudes just because, you know, it's things we knew because they were putting out like, Oh, if, you know, someone says they're in this place. You know, they have these things, you know, it was like, yep, they had that. They had this, they had this, they had this, they had this. And then we found that mine. So it was, it wasn't like a bad shoot or anything, but because we didn't find weapons on them. And it just so happened there was a uh, New York Times reporter on Shindan that day, got a hold of it, hit the newspaper. You know, then there's a big protest the next day. Oh, you know, you did this to these kids and da, 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 da. And uh, yeah, so there's a whole 15-6 and everything. So I wound up actually getting fingerprinted uh, as I was leaving Kandahar. And like, you can't be really Korean until you're cleared.
0: I mean, that seems so odd because I mean, I've heard of people just like shooting hellfires at people that do, are doing stuff like that, you know, yeah. and not even like trying to confirm. And you guys rolled up on them. They squirt immediately. So that's an indicator right there that they're bad. I mean, if they were not, if they weren't bad, they were just stood right, right there and kind of dealt with you. Mm-hmm. And then you find the mind. I mean, it just, it, that's just, yeah. that's kind of where the lawyers get into it and they kind of screw things up. got yeah, it there, there are certain times when it's nice to have a lawyer there to kind of you know, say something, but I don't know. If you're not there on the ground and you're trying to make a decision, that's kind of bogus, I think. I mean, I think not you guys, but, like, somebody who's, you know, yeah, making that yeah. decision from way back and wasn't involved. I don't know. Yeah, I know
1: it, it was just bizarre, you know, like, this would be good, you know. I, I thought it all was done because the guy came out, interviewed all of us. I was, like, thinking it was good. And then, you know, like, hey, you get to stop over here before you leave Canada. I'm, like, all right, cool. And, they, like, literally took pictures and
0: fingerprinted me. I was, like, this is crazy. That is crazy.
1: Yeah, but, you know, everything worked out. It, you know, it was what it was, and like I said, you know, I think the fact that we found the mine and everything else, you know, and they, you know, I, I can't remember if they said their fingerprints were on it or something, but you know, whatever, it wound up, they wound up connecting to the mine, uh, you know, solidly. So it you oh, know, good. wasn't, it wasn't anything bad, but you know, it was just weird leaving there know, like that. So it was
0: bizarre. Yeah. Plus all the stuff you went through during that deployment, and then you know, at the end of it, you got to worry about this other thing. Like you got this thing hanging over your head until it gets cleared. Yeah. I mean, it's the last thing you want. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. I don't think they think about that kind of stuff. I think they're just trying, I think the guys that actually are, that scrutinize kind of stuff like that, they don't, you know, they're not thinking about the man. They're thinking about, well, I want to get my guy or I want to. I'll the optics there. of this, yeah. Yeah, I mean. They're De- it definitely seemed like, like that.
1: that. It is what it is, you know. And then I go yeah. back to Korea, spent like another couple months there and PCS to uh, uh, Hunter and, you know. Just weird stepping out of a deployment like that, right back into Korea. I mean, you've been to Korea, you know how it is. It's you know, it's it's kind of a gong show when it comes to you know going out downtown and doing that stuff. So it's just weird to go from you know Afghanistan and you know get getting after it to friggin' you know, being downtown in Wee just going crazy. All right, man. So. And
0: it seems odd that they would care. That you would think that they'd be like all fired up that you were deployed. Like that, it's not like you were. You know, doing something, you're messing around. You were in a deployment. I mean, you think that'd be fine, but I don't know. I guess they want, I don't know. You know, you just never know how people are going to react. Yeah, it's one of
1: those Korea things where, like, if you're gone for so long, it's reporting thing. It was a, a paper thing where they were oh, okay. fired up.
0: So. so you made it out of there, and then you yeah. went to first bat. Who was it? Who was there when you got there to first battalion? Uh,
1: so Matt was the NCOIC. It was uh, Matt, Dusty, Woody adam it was it was some dudes that have been there a little bit and you know again uh it was funny i remember the first run we did you know because again i would i wasn't really working out on that deployment in afghanistan uh you know right. as as one does when you're sitting around a lot you know i, I worked on yeah. some but like not i wasn't really like in, in fighting shape i would say um yeah, so we get to savannah it's like middle of august you know because savannah is just disgusting hot in the first yeah. pt session we did five mile body armor run. And I will never forget, like, I was dying the entire time, last guy in, and I remember that they had the little train tracks, and then there was a stripe, and you had to run over the stripe, that's where it was, and the runs, and as soon as I got got over that white line, I just immediately started throwing up, and like, like man, you all right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I haven't I've haven't really worked out in a while, like, yeah, we noticed, you need to fix that. <laughs> you know, it was one of the first things Matt says to me, and I'm like, yep, I'm here. <laughs> but it was good though again you know like and then um what he was real good about taking me because i started with seco so he took me there you know interested me all the guys and uh, i remember one of the fisters this guy rocky he was awesome and I mean me, me and him became fast friends uh and then i still talk to him today too but there's this private area just like you know you, you you go to the company area and like ranger's doing his thing in the cage so i'm yeah. trying to like introduce myself to rocky and like hey man what's up and then we're talking but this kid keeps like running by and like doing all these cows and stuff and then like you know iron chair and stuff finally you know uh rocky's like go you know do whatever do this i'm like hey man what is going on and he's like yeah he that's weird. he's just an idiot and you know blah 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 he did you know he'd done something like to me it didn't seem all that bad but you know to ranger it was like you know the end of the world he smoked the crap out of this dude for you know probably the whole hour we were talking and it's just like, yep, I am definitely in uh, Ranger Battalion now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just funny. Yeah, and then um, had a couple of deployments with Seco. Definitely a, a good time. The, FSNC, the FSO that I had there that time was uh, this guy, Captain G, man. He was awesome. Just typical, like, he was a Southern California dude, but like super Italian. So me and him, of course, got along real well because, you know, the whole half Italian thing or whatever. But yeah, so we became fast friends. Uh, you know, on a few, few missions, we kept, you know, talking because we're always the CP like, man, we never get to get in the fight. We never get to do anything. And, you know, that one mission yeah. we were on, we, I can't remember what it was. We soaked the place with ISR for a while, saw these dudes going from a tree line back to this house. So we decided to hit the house, uh, cause we really didn't know it was in the trees. Uh, and it was, you know, a couple hundred meters away and, you know, plan was always just to SSC it after. So we go to the house, um, fly in fast rope, uh in to the house we wanted to have to do like a 60 foot fast rope because there was telephone lines they didn't anticipate so we did a huh. super high rope i remember one of the uh, uh 240 gunners because he had so much ammo on him wound up getting blisters all over his hands because you know it was such a long rope um so we did that make entry into the house you know nothing real crazy we were outside the house kind of pulling security out and then all of a sudden you know you hit a gunfight on the roof and that's right about the time I get a call from the ISR bird. They're like, hey, we get a squirter. I'm like, gee, let's go. And we're like, "Oh, it's, right, we're going to get him. You know, because like they're, we're thinking we're going to uh, run this dude down or whatever. So we run around the house. We're like, could not find this guy. Like, no, you're right on him. You're right on him. You know, because the ISR guy sees the two of us walking around and we're trying to get, you know, talked on to where he's at. I like, dude, you are right on him. Well, come to find out the first squad leader that went onto the rooftop, had a malfunction, and because he was by the edge, he had no cover. He jumped off and held off, held on to those little uh, like half walls like this, and just oh came off God. the side as because his weapon jammed. The next guy that comes out winds up shooting and engaging him. Uh, you know, this wasn't a long gunfight, but you know, there was like two more guys on the roof. They find him, uh, take care of them, going through, clearing the whole thing. And I remember that's about the time me and G walked back around the front and you know come from was like hey, what are those guys doing up there? What, the, You know, he's getting pissed because no one's talking to him. Well, so the dude had already hung himself over like this, and then the other guy that came out was the uh, team leader. Come to find out he got shot through his radio. So, like, as he was shooting the guy, the first guy that was shooting at his squad leader, you know, that's now hanging off the roof, the guy from the other side of the roof shot, and, like, it bounced off the edge of the plate into his uh
0: Oh, my God.
1: And it was just wild and like you know it was like, oh, crap so <laughs> we think that you know like that's that's kind of a bit of excitement for one mission you know like, yeah it's, it's gotta be it right like that's that's a punchline like okay we'll, we'll clean this up go home you know whatever all will be great so about you know we're doing ssc in the house so you know to, of course we go to the rooftop like you normally do just hanging out and then all of a sudden they're like hey we got four packs coming out of the other you know uh other side of the objective because we had two grgs one for the woods one for the house because we knew we were going there after so that you know he's telling me we're on the grg they're coming out of I'm like, that can't be good because you know we already got in a gunfight there they heard us come so like we think they're coming to you know try and shoot us up or something so me and g yeah. immediately like because we had an ac-136 we're like hey sir can we hit him with that and he's like uh you know what and he's like i got a squad over there you know i'll just go send him to get him so he sends them to get him um and the fireman called Ray, really like, uh, they're like, hey, uh, you know, uh, call sign for the commander. And like, they're uh, handcuffed. And he's like, say again? He's like, yeah, they're already zip tied and handcuffed. And he's like, what are you talking about? So they bring him there, bring him back to the house. Like, they cut the zip ties off the two dudes. And the one dude had like legit handcuffs on. Um, we bring him back, and uh, the guy with the handcuffs was like Rain Man or something. <laughs> so they start talking to him like hey tell us what you can remember about it whatever and then i'm getting all this secondhand. but basically the dude remembered the schedule of everyone that was there when they came in when they left which direction they went heard a bunch of you know stuff that led them to other people uh you know yeah. like key pieces of information and like names and associations and i think we wound up working targets for like almost a month from what this guy just poured out of his head because he was basically like being held prisoner there, and when we shot up the tree line uh, with AC-130, because I forgot that we did pre-assault fires uh, on the tree line, so we didn't know it was up there. So we had shot a bunch of AC-130 there. So apparently, when we shot, we had killed the guards, but not them because they had them in some kind of like ditch or something. And then after yeah. a while, they they didn't hear the guards anymore. They just started walking. Uh, yeah. So then it's crazy. Number one, that we didn't kill them during pre-assault fires yeah you know, no too, doubt that, like this guy had remembered that much stuff it was bonkers i couldn't i couldn't believe it i was <laughs> like holy crap we almost killed men."
0: you know but <laughs> then you get all that intel off the guy i mean it's awesome yeah yeah it was crazy It was wild. so tell me about when you were in mosul and you were doing the uh, air guard or something like that what was that what's the story oh yeah
1: so that was uh again uh cherry uh cherry jtac things that happened <laughs> uh, It was my first mission with uh Cico we go out and do, you know, we're on trackers, do a mounted uh, thing out and it was, we we're supporting someone else, whatever, it doesn't matter. But we pulled up where we're going. So we go up that little hatch in the back. So I'm just, you know, pulling security on the vehicle, FSNCO's is on the other side, pulling security the other way. And you know, I'm just like sitting there and I think we were by the t- Yarmouth traffic circle, which just stands out in my mind. Cause that place was always like the wild, wild west. So I was, IDs going off there, people getting sniped, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I hear these pinging and i'm like i'm like hey man what is that he's like you're getting shot at dickhead get back in the vehicle <laughs> so oh, yeah,
0: that was, uh, i I, that, I, always hear these stories about that like i got a buddy at work that uh he did the same thing he would he would they'd make him pull air guard and it just every time there'd be like plink plink you know you would just hear these these bullets bouncing off the the vehicle and yeah yeah because I, I, when the striker's running it's
1: pretty loud and that because i was on the left side it's kind of by the exhaust, so you really can't hear any, like, reports of the
0: gunfire going off or right. anything, and I guess it
1: was far enough away that I just, I just heard the ping in. And... Uh,
0: okay, let's go to, let's get into these Merrill missions, because I don't, I um. I either didn't hear about it, or I didn't know about it, or whatever, but yeah, tell me about the the Merrill missions that went on. I know a lot of guys that um have participated in those, but I wasn't really privy to it, so yeah, please, let's hear about that.
1: Yeah, so I can't remember, this was like, Jesus, it had been like 07, 08. I don't remember the years, but it was, it was later on in the time that I was at 175. Um, we wound up surging early to go um, do the Merrill missions. And that's basically when they were just, the area we got was, you know, we were just reinforcing the task force that was out there and just trying to, you know, stir things up and get more dudes out uh, in the fighting season. You know, so there was, you know, one, as we're doing the handoff, um, uh, with Tommy's uh, company. We go out on a mission. We did a, you know, co op uh, there on one ridge line. We're on the other ridge line. And this is right after I got there, right after Tommy again had uh, done his uh, heroics uh, on the oh, rooftop, yeah. you know. So, and, you know, it's funny because, you know, I, I didn't know anything about it, not hear anything about it, you know. And he's nonchalantly told me, oh, yeah, man, we had a mission last week. He got pretty hairy. It was, you know, so we did this and he showed me the video. I'm like, holy seems like it was like a lot he's like yeah you know you know in typical <laughs> town fashion just downplays typical it. yeah yeah and uh you know so that, again that's why i kind of uh, always joke that i'm tommy's best supporting jtac because you know he was at the dam did a bunch of cool stuff i come there like a day later like hey man what's up you know and then <laughs> again same thing with this Merrill thing you know i get i get there like you know a week later and, oh god that's really cool you know so we do this mission um we're walking opposing ridge lines and somehow that someone got disoriented and the sniper calls out, hey, we got troops on the ridgeline, whatever. So a guy with a machine gun just starts shooting um, across the ridgeline. And I hear Tommy jump from the radio. He's like, hey, we're taking contact from the west. And I'm like, we're shooting to the east. And I'm like, oh, sh-. you know, so I pull out my dagger, do a quick <laughs> slant range count, and, like, run up to the gun district. I was, like, halfway in the formation, run up to where they're fighting. Firing, because you know, we're all moving to that anyway to get in a position. I'm like, hey, cease fire, cease fire, cease fire. That's that's our guys, um, you know. And then Tommy's like, yeah, I man. As soon as those guys let loose, I knew it was Ranger because it was a, a friggin machine gun burst. that was like this tight, you know, because like, yeah, you know, dude shooting you like you know, would uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't be that well aimed, sure, uh, sure. Unfortunately, one of the dudes, as they were doing that, because they got down quick enough, no one got shot, but like, there was a dude. Uh, got caught ricochet in his um calf or something, I can't remember what it was. Didn't oh, hurt yeah. him bad, you know. And then, of course, they go to exfil him, and Tommy sets like the record for like the highest Hilo exfil casualty in Afghanistan. It was like, Jesus, this guy keeps racking him up, man. Like,
0: right, I, I gotta figure
1: out what he eats, <laughs> eats for breakfast, you know. Uh, yeah, so it was, you know, that was uh, one of the Merrill missions. And then I can't remember if it was a Merrill mission or not, but um, so we had moved down to Kandahar and it was getting to be winter at that time we're working down Kandahar so it's cold but it's not like cold cold Mm -hmm. um we get a call fly for like an hour and a half to Ghazni or something like that way up north no one told us that it snowed anything like that so we planned an overland movement uh like a 10k overland movement to, to get to the target and uh I jump off the helicopter. I'm in hip deep snow almost like, you know, just above my knees. I'm like, oh Jeez. boy. And, and like, I had just happened to like, remember those gators, those uh, mountain hardware gators they gave us? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you probably have four of them sitting in your garage. And you thought- <laughs> they never, never been them. worn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, never. So like, yeah. I actually wore those because it was like, <laughs> I didn't want to put anything heavier on. So I started, started wearing those onto the level fives with PT gear because it just kept me oh. just warm enough. And I had those low low cut low boots so it didn't let anything think it yeah. so i started wearing that like out a sheer happenstance so i jump in you know we start walking find out pretty quickly like hey this overland movement isn't going to happen so we have the isr birds like scan a route we found a road and you know they're like sparkling intersections we need to walk to and we're just straight walking roads to get to this uh target and the whole time we're going it was like keystone cops because it was so friggin cold out like it was, i can't remember how it was what the actual temperature was, but it was like negative, crazy, but it was so cold. The boots that Ranger had gotten issued uh, at RFI right before we left, the soles got hard. And when they got hard, they got slippery. So dudes are like doing this boom, and just falling down all over the place. And it was, again, you know, guys falling all around. And because I had those summer weight lower hiking boots, well, for whatever reason, the treads just didn't get hard and I was able to walk. We wind up expelling four guys for prospect before we ever get there. Um, which was awesome because again, being the air force guy, you know, bringing in a helicopter, I, I'm the guy, you know, roping the HLZ and they come landing right, right in front of me. So it's like a giant blast of snow because you're in front of the helicopter. I'm like, this is awesome, man. <laughs> I think we expelled the last guy, like God, maybe a kilometer or less in, before the target, just because we had to yeah. use that he was that jacked up, get to the target. Of course, you know, after all that, we hundred percent got into a gunfight, uh, Get into the gunfight in the house and uh, whatever that they take care of that. I'm outside and cars keep coming up, so I'm shooting the AC-130 at the cars down the road, and then all of a sudden we start taking fire from my left, and I was with I remember because I was with the uh, side guy, and this dude like he uh, he wasn't very well liked. So we'll put that
0: because
1: uh, like. <laughs> The missions we would do he always had this little ghetto blaster speaker and he was always like banging it up on stuff as we were walking down you know trying to be quiet getting up to a house and he would be banging on crap I'm like dude what are you doing <laughs> um so he starts shooting and then i'm like okay so i'm i'm gonna now turn and start shooting because i'm not controlling anything and he's just shooting i'm like hey man turn on your laser like show me where you're shooting because I, I couldn't see where they're coming, what fire was coming from he's like yeah they're over there i'm like put your laser on dude And he's like i don't have one i was like oh my god and he's just like, you know, wailing away. And it's like, this is this is great. Like, this is the guy I'm stuck with now. Like, this is actually like the one time I'm like, someone's actually shooting at me, you know? And I'm like, oh, I'm with this guy. This is awesome, you know? <laughs> but whatever, we figured it out. We figured out where I was coming from, uh, you know, took care of that. And uh, we collapsed back into the building, kind of get accountability. And then this old man, as we're doing that, sticks a nine mil out the window I don't know why he did it but the first time I was in the room he was in and he just rocked him because I was standing in the doorway like of the room first time you know I was inside the house and the first started was right inside the room he yeah. leveled this dude and i swear <laughs> to god he hit the ground and it sounded like a piece of steak in a uh, a countertop <laughs> i was like first time, i think you just killed that guy he's like no man he's good <laughs> gives him a sternum rub dude starts flipping out again he punches him again like you know because the guy's like now trying to resist because they haven't zip tied yet Um, right It was funny because i remember the next day we you know you do the thing where it's like oh you picked up these guys last night these guys are going these guys are staying kind of thing they give you like the hey this is what you did last night kind of thing like that that roll up um and i remember seeing the picture of that guy usually i had like a face-on picture and it was like profile but you could still see a giant purple thing sticking out of the uh, <laughs> cuz he had jacked him in the eye so hard but yeah and then it's actually crazy too cuz the leaving that mission we wound up getting in contact again as we were walking out our hlz was planned for like i don't know a kilometer kilometer half an away and i finally just, you know cuz we were kind of it was kind of just running gunfight it turned into cuz it was off to our east and then it was like kept going north and they were moving to where we were walking. So they're basically walking towards the direction to our HLZ and I'm like, yeah, we don't want to like walk them right to our HLZ. That's not a good idea.
0: So the company commander's like, hey, just
1: bring them in here. And we wound up landing 47s in this like U-shaped area that was just big enough for a 47 in between three buildings. And we had to cycle the helicopters in to get everyone out, uh, you know, and stuff. And i up getting on the last helicopter. And it was funny because the snow was so deep, I run up and when I try to jump, I, got like stuck in the snow. So my hip hit the edge of the helicopter and I'm like trying to pull myself up now, but I'm stuck on something on my kit. And I remember the platoon uh, <laughs> started to like, throw me the rest of the way in, uh, into the helicopter. We get on, start going off and all of a sudden the lights flip. Why are you turning the lights on? We're getting shot at. And then I see the medic just has the dude by the scruff of his neck and he's doosh, doosh, slapping him like that. I'm like, what is going on? I guess the kid had gotten frostbite so bad at that point he was going into shock. Oh he was my trying god. trying to keep him from coming into the shot by smacking him. It was crazy. But yeah, that was all in like one mission too. It was like, it was funny because, you know, when my mission's like, uh, you know, you have those crazy things, it was just like, uh, you know, you go months without doing anything. And then all of a sudden there was all this excitement packed into one mission. You're like, what else could possibly happen? You know, and it's right. definitely a, uh, teaches that lesson. Be prepared for anything, you know, kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen, but, yeah, it's so crazy, too, because the um like just doing all that is hard. But you then you throw in being cold and snow everywhere. It just makes it like exponentially more difficult. I used oh, to hate miserable. that.
1: My FSNCO yeah. went or my FSO went down that night. He got frostbite on nine of his 10 fingers. <laughs> the only finger that didn't get frostbite was his middle finger on his right hand.
0: Of course, it of got, course.
1: It got so bad. His both his hands were black. Like the medics were like, dude, we might have to like amputate your fingers, kind of thing. Like it, oh. it was that bad. And those dudes, that, you know, same thing, like black toes and stuff, you know, because they had gotten frostbite that bad on that mission. It was bad. Jeez. Um, yeah. So it was like, you know, wound up because uh, he couldn't go on mission anymore. So then it was like, you know, now it's like, hey, you're the you're the FSO and the uh, JTAC man. How about it? Like, okay, cool. I guess we'll do this. So it was, it was wild. Uh, I'm trying to think. What else? You know, neural missions. I, I broke my rover five the first time out. Adam right. is super happy about that
0: because he gave <laughs> sure. it to us
1: like literally like two weeks before. and He's like, "Hey, do not break this. Like, take care of this equipment." I'm like, "You got it." I'm like, "Adam, I never break anything." <laughs> you know, so I do one of those. Sure, sure enough, uh, one of the first missions we did was fast rope on top of you know some ten thousand foot hill or whatever. I. I'm going off the rope and I tripped over a rock, go ass over tea kettle. And that, and I had that, you know, remember how you said, but little, like little backpack, that, uh, strapped to your body armor. Yeah. Yeah. So I had one of those and I had it in there, smash the screen. Didn't even turn it on once. <laughs> and, I broke it. And, uh, yeah, so I am super happy about that. that was another Meryl all-star mission for that. But yeah, Meryl was crazy. Like it was, you know, a few missions where I just, that. You know, number one, your job, and I never job that hard, you know, out east like that, you know, because usually it'd be right. a mission, you know, refit, mission, refit, mission, refit, mission, refit. But that was like every night it was something, uh, you know. Yeah. And we were going you know, pretty far too. And you know, like one night we got, <clears throat> we wound up looking for a guy, we caught him, kind of got into a gunfight, which delayed us. And then weather came in over the kg pass of course you can't fly so they're like hey guys just uh hunker down for the night we'll get you later <laughs> all right cool you know of course none of us had really any overnight cold weather gear you know and it was all pretty right. cold it starts snowing like stocks so we set up a patrol base uh on that what's going to be our hlc and uh yeah i remember it got so cold one of the guys was let's say man i got a body bag Crack that bad boy open. So we unzipped the body bag. Me and him both got in it and like zipped it up <laughs> and straight spooned all night to stay warm.
0: Yeah,
1: a lot of stuff happened on those Merrill missions and it was just it was nonstop. And then uh, yeah, even Timmy and I think Merrill was where Objective Berlin happened too. I can that was that was yeah. Merrill deployment. We had uh, been tracking some dudes. Then they watched it. They thought it was some way station training camp kind of thing. Um, we. It was actually one of those ones where we actually did a lot of deliberate planning. Uh, McGuffey and I uh, wound up doing a huge planning thing for fires and did like a massive pre-assault fire. It was something like 183,000 pounds of ordnance. So we Winchestered like four F-15s, four A-10s, an AC-130, like a B-1 shot, Tacums, GIMMERS, the whole bit. Like I mean, it was. Oh my God. It was wild. So then, then we took off and started flying there. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, you know, HLZ is cold. So we, of course, land. As soon as we land, you know, the one uh, aircraft starts moving north down the HLZ, we're gonna move south to secure the HLZ as the next helicopter's coming. Because so we had three serials of uh, lift coming in because we had a bunch of dudes that were taken up there because uh, Tim Tim's platoon and my platoon. Um, so as we get off the helicopter, uh, some dude was playing possum, he starts shooting. Um winds up uh, Private harry wound up getting hit then. Um so then we kind of move to him, they get him secured, uh pack him up on the bird before it leaves. So everyone's like, Oh man, he was good, you know, whatever. So they he leaves. Um, you know, sure as shit as we're walking again. Um another dude playing possum starts shooting, and I didn't know where it's coming from, but I just saw like, you know, you see them kind of skip on the ground. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. So I some around, skip on the ground past me and I, I got pretty small, pretty fast. And that's when, uh, sorry, <laughs> he got killed. Um, you know, so he, he wound up shooting that guy before he, uh, passed away. Um, put him down. I'm trying to think what else. Yeah. So, you know, now we're at two, two gunfights on the HLZ and we haven't moved hundred meters, you know, and we've been there maybe three minutes, uh, Jeez. three to five minutes. you know, you are getting contact twice, um, Then as Timmy's helicopters come in, we take fire from the ridgeline to the west of the HLZ, wind up strafing that with A-10s, we're like, all right, cool. And right about this time, you know, we had slowed things down a little and, you know, we deliberately cleared the HLZ and it was getting to be daytime. And so like, all right, Mm -hmm. cool, let's let's walk up this hill. We didn't think anything was going to happen. 200 meters up the hill, dude hanging out uh, with an RPG. The dog handler sees him. They all shoot him, but when they shot him, his RPG kind of like exploded.
0: Oh my god! Um,
1: so like the the dog handler and the dog caught shrapnel. We weren't having to oh. walk them back down, exfil them. Uh, you know, and that and we're maybe three hundred feet up this mountain, and it's you know, probably like a six eight thousand foot peak. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we do that. God. We trudge along most of the day, uh, pretty uneventful as we're going. We wind up actually we were walking up about halfway up the patches are like oh shit there's a there's like a dish or something and they nobody saw it so they we called some uh we shot hellfire at it and i remember the first hellfire comes off been locked straight down shot in so they shot the next one it actually uh took out the gun there was no one near but, like we're just like yeah let's blow this thing up just in case there's still people walking around we've already had contact a couple times like this it's not giving many advantages here sure um, Kind of thing. And then I remember the Turk coming and he's like, Hey, I hear a bunch of chatter on the radio that, you know, these guys are going to shoot at us, blah, 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 blah. Sure enough, like that ridge line that was a little further west, uh, four dudes like taunting, you know, and then of course they shot and <laughs> rounds were completely ineffective. Yeah. So the sniper dude's like, uh, He's like, Hey, sir, can I fire? And they're like, Yep. So it was probably the coolest thing he's having five feet away from me. He just throws his rifle over his father's shoulder. And it was like 800 meters away, elevated position. And these dudes are still talking ragtime. You know, he shoots one of them guy, like, you know, kind of rolls down the hill. The other three just immediately take off running silence. We never hear from them again, but it was, it was wild. Like, you know, shot him. It was a pretty far shot and uphill, which is not easy to do. Uh, off yeah. shoulder. Oh so, man. Yeah, so it was it was pretty wild. Uh we did that. And then making it to the top of this mountain, uh there was like a little bunker that was hollowed out of rocks. And man, there had to have been some people in there because we found one body on top after shooting all that stuff. We shot all that. After all that
0: pre-assault that you and Mug did. Yeah.
1: All that and it was one dude there, which was crazy. And then they set a couple of charges in that bunker to kind of blow it up and didn't even make a dent in it. It's like wow there must have been they're hanging out and they just in the you know as the smoke was clearing they must must have took off uh, yeah, yeah. We, we totally expected to find at least 15 people up there and uh there was no one yeah so uh, yeah so we won doing that remained over day get ready to exfil at night and the whole plan was to walk down and go back into the valley to exfil well <clears throat> because of everything that had happened you know, and throughout the day they're hearing all kinds of chatter that, yeah, if they when they come down off the mountain, we're going to hit them. Uh, we get guys to the north and guys to the south, whatever. So basically, we're hearing all this chatter like, "Yep, they got ambushes laid in for us." Like, well, we're not going to walk into that. Let's just expel from here. So now it's like, first I was like, "Hey, let's let's uh, get an HLZ going." I'm like, uh "What?" He's like, "You're a Pathfinder, right?" I'm like, "You bet." Like, <laughs> I had gone, you know, five years ago. I think I remember like the right. AF or the army reg number or something, you know, that's about all I remember about Pathfinder school. (laughs) So we, you know, we set it up, blew down an HLZ, um, got it going, 47s come in, touch one wheel, guys are running around the back, you know, climbing into the helicopters, barely lift off, do that nose down into the valley to catch speed to get out of there. Uh, And that was end of that mission It was pretty, pretty nuts. Uh, Pretty crazy day. Uh, for sure. Yeah. All yeah that especially purpose. after all
0: that pre-assault stuff. I mean, you, and to have that much resistance, even I mean, and it wasn't even that much resistance, but it was enough to like obviously, you know, it, it they had some effect. That bunker must have been made out of. Some... I don't know what it was, but it was it was something pretty
1: strong because, like I said, there uh, we we were we were shocked when we didn't find him because we like we're definitely gonna find a bunch of people up here. There's no way that there's right. not gonna be a bunch of people up here. And nothing.
0: It's crazy. Crazy.
1: Yeah. So it was, one, it was one of those drive holes where you're like, man, I did all that for that.
0: <laughs> and didn't you say you set a record? At that point, that was a record for yeah, orders yeah, so dropped in Afghanistan? Yeah,
1: that was a a single-strike record for Afghanistan for a minute. And I think Woody wound up beating at the next deployment.
0: Oh, he did? Yeah. I was
1: like, get a, get a one-up me. One-up and son of a... <laughs> He's got his Harry oh. Potter scar on his arm for playing General Patton, so...
0: Oh, what's I don't, I'm not familiar with that story.
1: Oh, so we gave him a lot. I mean... We we're obviously happy nothing happened to him, but when he got shot, um, he got back, and then we all got back later, and then we got back, you know, he had a scar on his arm, and I swear it looked like the Harry Potter thing on the forehead.
0: Oh, <laughs> you know, and like, like,
1: that's what you have to play in General Patton, because, like, I guess basically when he got shot, he was reaching up to pull his PL down. Like, hey, sir, stop standing where the guns are shooting and got shot through the arm, trying to get him to pull down. So yeah, we did him a little bit of crap about that.
0: I guess better him than his pl on the face, you know. So. Yeah, for sure. No, it was
1: definitely one yeah. of those things, though. But he definitely
0: got some credit for it, for sure. So um, your time at first bat was very. It seemed very busy. It seemed like you did a lot of stuff. Um, so how long were you there? How long were you at uh, in Savannah?
1: So I think I got there late 04, and I left right before 2012.
0: Wow, I found that like a lot of guys like guys like you and like Mark and there's there a lot of dudes that were that spent a lot of time. At in a, at a ranger battalion, now, it used to be like you'd go there for a couple of years, maybe four years, and then you had to PCS out. But man, it got to the point where they were trying to keep guys around. Because I mean, at, once you get to that four-year mark where they were trying to PCS everybody, that's about the time you're good. You know, you're where you've you've uh, honed all your skills and you're ready to go at that point. So yeah, it's I'm glad they were starting to keep guys around and and uh, and letting them stay to kind of use that to that investment that they. You know put into these guys
1: yeah i mean so. that, that you hit the nail on the head i think you know about that four or six year mark when i was there i i was probably the the best jtac i had ever been in my life you know because you, you just train so much that like things now that i, I wouldn't be able to even like fumble through were second nature and to spit it out without <laughs> a second thought. you know
0: uh, right right and stuff
1: like that yeah it's pretty pretty crazy but yeah it's funny because i think i i made master they had just recoded Woody for the NCOIC position, so they couldn't recode him there. Jeez. Um, Matt came to me because we were in Benning for whatever it was. The camera was like a change of command or something. doesn't matter. And in the morning, he's like, hey, man, I got good news for you. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, what's that? He's like, yeah, I talked to um, JC Campbell. We got it worked out. You're going to go be a freefall instructor because I didn't want to leave. Of course, you know what I mean? Like, the, who, who wants yeah, to leave? Yeah, nobody did. Right? Yeah, no yeah. one wants to leave. So. To keep me around because they couldn't recode me to Woody's job because they just had just done the recode. So I say, you wasn't going to like let him, I'll pull that guy out, put this guy in kind of thing.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: You know, and there was no other place to put a master sergeant. Matt, you know, found me at home at Free Fall School. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I'll definitely do that. I think three o'clock that afternoon, he's like, remember that thing I told you about this morning? <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen anymore. You got uh, to in Korea. I was like,
0: Bother. what?
1: Yeah. So I got on the second time. Yeah. To Korea. Yep. And I wound up, uh, actually, I think I forgot to put that on the sheet. Yeah, I spent a year in Korea at the 607th, uh, the group. I mean,
0: I mean, was that? Was it uh, just crazy, um, just normal Korea stuff? Or? Always normal Korea shenanigans. And it was just, yeah, it was pretty funny.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Definitely normal Korea. We don't need Korean to talk about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the, yeah, <laughs> most of my Korea stories and, you know, Matt's and everybody, everybody's Korea stories are kind of like, classified, you know, like yeah, we'll yeah, just leave no, it well, there.
1: what I can talk about is the power wagon. So we had this, I had an 89 Hyundai Elantra wagon <laughs> and man, that thing got the crap beat out of it. Cause the guy leaving, he's like, yeah, buy this car for me. I'm like, I'm not buying your car, dude. And he's like, well, I got to sign this over to someone before I leave. I'm like, Hey, if you don't sell this, don't expect me to pay for it. Right? I'll yeah. sign so you can leave. Sure. sure enough. Two weeks. later, he's like, Hey man, you can send me that money. I'm like, no, I told you I wasn't buying this car. <laughs> right. So because I didn't buy it, like we. I mean, e braking all over the place. Like, you know, those uh, things they have in the middle of the road, like those uh, pylons that are, you know, kind of yeah, yeah. the street. We just drive into those with this car. Like, um, at one point, we were like, one of the guys I pick up every day for work, he just run over the car and then get in, uh, like, took sledgehammers to it. And then all of a sudden, we gave it like this crazy paint job that looked like Attack tacky Crest, like Rattle Cam. Oh, yeah. Uh, and at one point, the only thing that worked was the driver's side window. That's when we could get in and out of the car. Cause I had to roll my window down to open the door, to get out to walk around, to open the passenger door, to let everybody else in. Cause none of the windows <laughs> worked and none of the door handles worked. It's it pretty funny. We had, we had some shenanigans in that car as you can probably figure out.
0: Oh yeah. So then you, uh, so you did your time in Korea and then you went to the 14th after that? I sure did. Yeah. So I was, uh,
1: I actually had, when it came time to like put in your assignment preference. There was a 12th Air Force Stanival job open. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll take that. So um, I wound up getting orders to Davis monthan to go be the 12th Air Force Stanival guy. And I can't remember what happened. I think the opposite at of the time was like, I don't think that position's open anymore. So sure enough, it really what it shouldn't have been advertised. I shouldn't have got it. Ah. And then I got, uh, my orders got changed to go to Fort Bragg. And about that time, that was when Sean was, I can't remember, was it? fam or acc or whatever but yeah. I call him, i'm like hey man what gives dude And he's like just be glad you're not at fort hood and i'm like and i'll take that hint and the <laughs> you know kind of thing uh so i went to fort bragg it was uh definitely cool uh, you know because that's one of those places you know it's always baby door kicker university right like there was always yeah. that's where all the guys that went to the 17th always came from and stuff like that uh, right so i pcs there i think a couple months later i was the soup uh, rick had got made chief and then uh manchester was the obstacle you got moved up to senior listed advisor or whatever and they moved me upstairs which was kind of funny because uh i brought back i can remember it was Valella's tradition or voice i think it was flawless but uh where you put the the chair mat out and you have the set of hands traced and the set of feet traced and it's like choices sometimes they're not yours uh so it's you know so it'd be like <laughs> hey man paper or plastic when dudes are get in trouble, you know, kind of thing because yeah. you know, people had spared me when I was a young guy in my career and that's kind of revived that sure. there. So I was, you know, getting in trouble, Hey man, you have that, you know, the LOR written or whatever, like, Hey, paper or plastic dude, I'll take yeah. plastic, you know, and smoke them a little bit and send them on their way.
0: Yeah. Every time I would take <laughs> the physical punishment over the paperwork at any day. Always. Yeah. yeah so
1: um, not super eventful there. Um, other than it was kind of nice, um, you know, cause obviously Korea was a little bit of a decompression but you know after being at 17th for so long and going so hard for so long you know like at the 14th it was fun you know guys were awesome phenomenal but like you know you just you know you're like oh well you know you're you're like alone and unafraid. and then mark showed up and then kevin showed up and you know a couple of Woody showed up so it was like you know like a little 17th reunion uh between the group and 14th after a while so it was
0: really fun. And,
1: you know, of course everyone's, you know, a million questions cause you were there and of course Mark did all the stuff he did. So like, he, you know, he was like the rock star there, typical 14 stuff, training for deployments, doing a lot of jumps. And that's where Mark and I started messing with each other a little bit. Uh, cause it started out, you know, innocent enough where uh, we were doing a full equipment free fall jump and uh, you know, the boulder started out like this big, you know, right. the rock just for a little extra weight to mess with them. Cause we were doing a movement after, you know, whatever. Um, you know, and I think by the end, like the last rock I put in the March truck was like this big, you know, and I don't know how he didn't notice it picking up the rock because I made sure to, when we were driving down the airfield, I'm like, oh man, I'll grab the rock and bring it in there. So, you know, set it in the truck, drive it out to the airfield, load it on the aircraft. So like, you know, he didn't touch his rock because I knew I'm like, this rock is so big. He's definitely going to, he's definitely going to feel it. Because right, like, right. this is about the sixth or seventh time we've gone back and forth. And i you know, it was each time it was a little bit of a one up uh yeah and that last time man like he get in the aircraft he does all stuff and he, so he'll get up his equipment and I'm like he's gonna feel this I don't know how he didn't feel it but he's like you know we get to the ground he's like dude I had the worst ride ever I'm like really he's like <laughs> like what happened to your ruck shift or something he's like and then he like gives me that look he opens his face, like you son of a and I'm like Hadja. you know and that, after that I think we ended, we called knock it off we, we got a truce because uh you know at that point someone was probably gonna go a little
0: too far yeah i i like how he didn't catch on that you were like carrying his ruck form like oh i'll get this for you bud it's like didn't that that happen. Well, he was jammed that. And that
1: jump so that was like the perfect opportunity because he was running around oh right a right bunch of other stuff too so it was you know <laughs> uh, yeah it's good but, yeah we did did a lot of funny things like that and
0: did you guys uh i know weren't you and mark integral in uh getting nvg qualified like while you, during your free fall program i mean that wasn't really done outside of like a soft unit. So that's
1: yeah, so Mark pretty actually, cool that you guys were doing that. Mark, Mark actually took that up. Um, he got, got his wind tunnel time the whole bit and like, you know, you know Mark, you know, very thorough with yeah. everything. And man, he had, of course, he had his binder of things that we're going to do and you know, all that stuff. <laughs> uh, and wind up training's all up, did all the wind tunnel stuff, did the work up and then did day jumps with them the whole bit. And then finally we get work up to the night full equipment jump. And, uh, I can't remember what it was, it was just really high winds at altitude. Like, I mean, really high, um, yeah. you know, our dip was well off the drop zone, like really far. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. like, and me and Mark checked it a couple times. She's like, dude, this doesn't seem right. This math isn't working. Like, why is it this yeah. far away? Cause it was that far, but I was right. like, Hey man, get out, get under canopy, immediately turn into the wind and do not turn around. And like, we we're on comms. the whole, but he's like the whole jump down is like, do not turn around, do not turn around. They're like, you know, so we're all flying into the wind we just barely make the west side of the drop zone and the other guys we were jumping with wanted landing like a kilometer or two off because they run with the wind for about a minute and uh yeah it was, it was funny because you know testament to mark and his training and you know wherewithal says so you know definitely oh yeah a very thorough guy when it comes to that stuff
0: but oh for sure yeah yeah,
1: yeah he wanted to he wanted to teach me a lot you know because i i went to freefall fall jam after I was at Bragg. So he, you know, kind of t- tucked me under his wing and showed me the ways. Yeah. And then, you know, that was the only, I mean, that was really the only thing that happened at Bragg was, you know, some funny stories of jump stuff. We had a new kid, again, just got our free fall jam. We're at a toy drop. We're jumping Romanians, Botswanans, and Malaysians. And uh we're jumping on McCall. Where was this? At Bragg. For oh, at
0: McCall? Oh, okay.
1: So he gets his wins, whatever. I check it in the morning because I wasn't evaling him, but. I think he no, he just passed the vowel, so it was his first jump with no oversight. Um, so we compared wins because just you know things we do, right? So we compared wins, like, okay, cool, man. I didn't think anything of it until we start ready getting ready to load because our chalk slipped for a while, and then we jumped at like two o'clock. Dude never recount. and he did his count at like six in the morning. So, oh my God. obviously, not a good thing, right? Um, <laughs> I recount. And I was like, all right, cool. And but I didn't talk to him. So like before it happened, like we were doing a bunch of different stuff. So I never got a chance to like wake up with him to go, hey man, the spot shifted. Um, so we're getting out. We get out of the aircraft. He lets him go. I'm like, what is he doing? And I wait like 10 seconds. I go, and then there was Malaysians, Botswanans, and Romanians all over a trailer park, uh, south of McCall. And I'm like, oh, shit, this, is it. this is where Red Dawn happens. Some dude. He's going to come out of his trailer with a shotgun and be like, they're invading. You know, I was like, I was like having panic attacks. And then the Romanian guy, too, uh, he, uh, that next jump, we jumped and then I came in. He's the jump master, but tell him when to go. Right. You know, kind of thing. So because everyone wanted to get yeah. the Romanian wing. So I'm like, all right, cool. We pushed everyone out. Me and him, the last one's out. He waits a couple seconds after I jump. I pull and I see like this go by me. I was like, what the? We get on the ground. I'm like, hey, dude, what was that all about? You almost like flew through my shoot. Oh, sorry. I thought it was meters. Because we gave him a U.S. Uh, <laughs> yeah, altimeter. Yeah. And I'm like, so yeah. how could you like uh, confuse that? Like thinking that was meters. And he's like, oh, I thought it was right, meters. Right, Because you know, he always sees like four and he thinks it's 4,000 meters. I don't know, maybe muscle memory or something. But...
0: So did his, uh, did his Cyprus fire or did he pull? No, no, I mean, no. So he, he...
1: he pulled. We, we pulled at the right altitude. So he was right in between where. Pull altitude and where we're gonna, the cyclist is gonna fire. What oh, I had okay. already pulled now I was already in the canopy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he came screaming by because he waited just long enough uh, before he jumped, it was wild. Jeez. Now, so yeah, and then, I mean, the only deployment I did uh, out of Fort Bragg was for New Dawn. We did that and then I uh, did about nine month trip there. It was pretty, uh, pretty interesting time because, you know, we had different strike cells going around. So we had three strike, strike cells we were running. So I, as the suit there, I was just, flying from country to country on embassy air, uh, you know, checking on the guys and stuff. So it was, it was, pretty funny, you know, like in the morning you're in Baghdad, you know, just watching kill cam and that afternoon you're in Erbil and you go downtown for dinner and then fly home. Yeah. And then interesting call. I got one of the young airmen, uh, had brought a device with him. Uh, we moved, so we we're moving dudes around. So they didn't all get stuck at like, cause Erbil was kind of crappy living situation, but you could go downtown um bag was real nice because you're on the embassy, like living in apartments. And then uh oh, nice. the other place we're at was pretty decent too. So we were trying to rotate guys around so they got like break and stuff. And the one dude gets the customs in Jordan and we get the phone call, like, hey, uh, we get a we got a problem here. I'm like, yeah, what's that? And they like, uh, we got one of your guys and uh so basically he got hemmed up in customs in Jordan for him a fleshlight. Yeah. <laughs> Was awkward you know, to them, like trying to explain to the commander, like, "Hey, we got it. It's cool. They're gonna let him go." But he's like, "Yeah, but what, are we, what did he do?" And I'm like, "I don't worry about it, sir. It's fine. Everything's fine.
0: It's fine." Like,
1: how do you how do you explain that to someone? It's just awkward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So cool. yeah. It's like we got it under control. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, fine. Right.
1: Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here.
0: So. But you guys, your guys dropped a bunch of wardens over there at that time, didn't they?
1: Yeah. So I think. Through that deployment, the three strike cells, they dropped something like six million pounds of ordnance. There was yes. one kid, the senior airman, he he dropped almost a million pounds himself. Like on his finish, <sighs> first deployment ever. Crazy, right? Like, could you imagine yeah. your first deployment? Like, I'm gonna drop a million pounds of ordinance. I mean, granted, it was kill cam stuff, but like like
0: still, I mean yeah. that's, man, that's <laughs> like crazy. all day,
1: every day. These dudes were like on you know, eight hour shifts all day long, cleared hot, cleared up, cleared hot, cleared, cleared up, cleared up. It was nuts. And, like it, and was it
0: just like uh, and just targets that came in and they were just like uh,
1: yeah so you had you know like you were it was a partner force thing and then they would nominate targets we'd be watching targets uh, and then you had um, like a strike authority it was like a one star whatever yeah, uh, yeah so yeah. they it would go to like the Iraqi side the Iraqi generals would be like ripping but like ah oh, yes blow that up you know kind of thing <laughs> uh, right.
0: They never said no, you know, kind
1: of thing. They're just like, oh, okay. My sure. If you like some tea, I'm like, no, I'm good, man. It's cool. You know, so you walk <laughs> back to the other side, uh, and, you know, just stuff. I think at one point in Romani, we were essentially bombing street to street. Like guys would get in at six in the morning, bomb three blocks, get off for the night, like three or four blocks would get bombed and they'd pick up like just bombing the next three or four blocks. And they're just like leveling the city, like a street at a time. It was nuts. Jeez. Yeah. Because there's just that many guys running around. It was just, you know, and it was funny too. Because they had, you know, like walking in military formations, driving military vehicles, like weren't trying to hide at all. And then, you know, like all day long getting bombed and they just kept doing it. It's crazy.
0: So weird. Yeah. Like you think they'd like at least give up or hide or, you know, try trying to blend to in? or different? <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they thought that was the last one. Like, ah, oh, surely they won't keep doing this. Yeah. We'll just... yeah. That'll be the last one.
1: Nope. No. Nope. And then, just, yeah. I think, we, I think we destroyed Iraqi oil production for a while. Because, like, at first, you know, we first got there, I was like, hey, don't don't drop in the Beijing oil fields. And then by the time we were leaving, they were, like, shucking 2,000-pounders all over the refinery.
0: Because, like, oh, they shit.
1: kind of figured out that we weren't bombing in the refinery. So they started massing in the refinery. And then uh, we would have blown the crap out of that thing.
0: So what w- you said something about the Brits. If you, If you uh, Winchester to Brit... Yeah, so they would, the uh,
1: brick guys were awesome because they—I don't know where they lived, but wherever they lived, they'd send a bottle of champagne every time you Winchester them. Yeah, you know, of course you're supposed to be on G O one and all that stuff, and you know, like yeah, you know, okay, cool, whatever. And you know, every time <laughs> it was a nice bottle of champagne, it was that like Vivu Clique or whatever, you know? Uh, yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't anything cheap either, and they just kept sending them. So like New Year's, uh, that year was pretty uh, pretty good. We we celebrated pretty heavily, and the funny thing was too, like. If you were on the embassy, they had like the Diplomart thing and you could go in there and uh, buy all kinds of stuff. Ignoring we support it, we're weren't supposed to.
0: So if guys, sh- if those guys showed up, you were like, all right, let's 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 get these guys as much off as like, possible. You prioritized <laughs> them and then
1: got everything off of them. You know, because like <laughs> when they would come to us, the strike cells, they could actually drop because it was the weird like ROE thing. If they had a US JTAC and they're supporting the US, they could drop where if they were with the british jtac they couldn't because they had different roes or something you know what i mean it was some weird uh-huh. relationship like that um but yeah so they definitely like working with us and i think i think i told totally you about that too i about halfway through the deployment i wound up uh uh stealing the iraqi prime minister's chair
0: oh yeah like, <laughs> i didn't
1: i didn't realize i did it at the time uh so <laughs> the general's aid we, we had a briefing that morning and like I was living in, at that point, we'd gotten kicked out of the apartments that were nice on the MCs. They put us in the C-linked So I was in like a, you know, like the back of the box truck, the 10 by 20s So I was oh, one right. of those by myself because the guy that I was living with was like, oh, hey, I'm leaving. Can you turn my key in? I'm like, you bet, bud. You never turn that key in. No. So yeah. yeah. So I had no roommate. Um, so then I went to the ASOC, got their big projector for their maps they use because they weren't using one of them. So I got one of those set it up. We would have movies in there. And I'm like, I was looking for a good chair to have a movie night with. And we had a big briefing because they were doing some big op uh, with the Iraqis. And I think this is like right about the time they got the F-16s or something. So it was like this big to-do. Um, and we went in the briefing. I hadn't been in there yet because it was like kind of on the lock and key. And I went to the general's aid. I was like, hey, man, um, can I get the code to that room? I left some stuff in there because like after the thing breaks up, because so i have seen all the chairs. I'm like, oh, I'll definitely get one of those. <laughs> and I didn't realize it. I I you know, get this chair out, throw it in the back of the Tahoe, bring it over to the uh, embassy side, put it in my hooch. And then we were having another briefing the next day. General Zane was like flipping out. He's like, where's the prime minister's chair? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, my bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So. Did you give it back or did you just like, no, no, no. at
1: that point it was too far gone. And like, you know, people kind of like got into a tizzy about it. And I'm like, I'm not letting on because I knew it was across the street at the embassy.
0: And none of those yeah.
1: guys were going to see it. So I'm like, I- I'm safe. Uh, but...
0: Yeah. It would have been worse probably if you had rogered up and said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
1: So I unwittingly stole the uh, Iraqi prime
0: minister's chair, which is pretty funny. <laughs> so you did, uh, I, and I didn't know this part. You, so when you were done with the 14th, did you go, you went into the guard after you got out of the 14th? No, so I actually went oh. to the national assessment group. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, selectively staffed
1: organization i guess you could say um we worked uh, Yeah, i'm not familiar with that okay i did a test and eval for stuff (laughs) yeah right Um, okay yeah Yeah. yeah. um it was awesome man it was a really unique peek behind their curtain because we were held at the osd level it wasn't just service like you know air force stuff i was looking at like there was navy stuff marine stuff uh army stuff other organization stuff you know so it was it was pretty wild. And then it was, it was pretty neat, you know, cause you get to see all the newest stuff and it's funny because now some of the stuff we were testing, you know, years ago is getting put into service now and some of the things yeah, yeah. been put into service since. And it's just funny to see that. Cause you know, you get it very early on as technology and you're like, you know, you're deciding whether this stuff's viable or not. And it's pretty, pretty wild this, you know, make those decisions. And you see, you know, stuff come out a couple of years later and you're like, wow, I, I tested that like three years ago. So it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, definitely a uh, good assignment. Uh, yeah. Learned, learned a ton, learned how to do project management, learned how to spend money for the government, which is pretty cool. To travel all over the world, which is awesome. There was like, you know, a couple of projects I had that you had to do them overseas. So like you'd have to go to Germany for like six weeks or go to Spain for like
0: six weeks, which was terrible. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a horrible. Poor i I'm going to Spain for six weeks. Yeah.
0: Oh my um, God.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we did that and then... um it was time to leave the nag. Um, I didn't really want to retire out of there, uh, so I Muller had hit me up and he's like, "Hey man, I'm getting ready to leave Syracuse. Are you looking for something?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So I applied over there, got the job in um, Syracuse. So uh, as lop soup and wound up doing a couple of years there and, and retiring. But the cool thing was is I got to uh, so my brother right before that had gotten back in, got into the Air Force. Oh and, yeah. And went TACP right. Um, so it's, you know, it's not every day your, uh, brother grows up to want to be just like you. Right. And especially your older brother too. Huh? Right.
0: right Yeah. So he,
1: uh, I was like, you're crazy dude, but if you want to do it, man, get after it. And you know, at 49 years old, I think he's like the oldest guy that's ever been through tactic training and, and made it, you know, kind of stuff. So it was
0: pretty. Has crazy. to be, I mean, yeah. 49 going through that course. I mean, that's
1: crazy. It is, it's not the course we went through either. Like they, they do yeah. like a lot more now. So he did the whole prep selection, schoolhouse, you know, a whole bit, it was pretty nuts. And then the cool thing was he was out of 274. So me and him like, uh, we're in the same unit for like two years. So that was pretty cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. So when I got to retire, he was, you know, he was, um, part of my retirement summer and everything too, which was pretty cool.
0: And he was in the army before, right?
1: Yeah. So he was a, uh, medic, then he switched over to be an engineer when he got commissioned, uh, did a one-year deployment to Afghanistan at um, Fall Wilderness. Okay. Yeah. So he got, he had some pretty good, uh, pretty good stories out of there too. So,
0: yeah. yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, then decided to retire at, uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, yeah, that was a, a gong <laughs> show because like I was trying to get a place to have retirement. It was like, oh, we can't, we can't open up. We can't have that many people. So I said, screw it call the place, got a circus tent, put it in my backyard. Uh, you know, and it snowed like two days before because I retired in April. So it snowed wow. in Massachusetts like two days before. We got the heaters in there, like dried off the ground inside. And it was like a freak. Heat wave came through. It was like 60 degrees, melted all the snow like the day before um, the retirement ceremony. It was just, it was nuts. And, you know, it was funny too, because like the last thing that I did was uh, I got everyone good too in my retirement? So I we had about two hundred chairs, and on every chair I taped one of those little bottles of uh, apple pie moonshine. Uh-huh. So I taped them all under there, and then you know as I'm like finishing up, I'm like, hey, I got one more thing I'm gonna do. Um, you know, if everyone can just reach under the seat and you know, there'll be something under there, and you know, as I'm at the podium, I see all these like confused faces. I'm like, just reach under. All right. You know, I see my mom sitting. There. I'm like, that means you, mom. You know, so I made her <laughs> reach under the seat and grab it. And they were like oh come on so i did the TACV the toast and that was like the last thing i did and i ended the ceremony it was funny so
0: nice yeah,
1: nice way to go out for sure yeah
0: yeah uh, okay so then so you retired and then what so tell me about like when you got out like what did you do what was your first thing you did when you got out and what have you been doing since then
1: yeah so i um before i even retired you know i uh, started looking for jobs um put my resume up on clearance jobs and I didn't even apply for anything. People started calling me, um, nice. you know, so I started getting filled with a bunch of phone calls and then finally, uh, aerial networks division at Hanscom says, Hey, we need a tactical data link speed. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, sure. Why not? You know, i because I, uh, done some of the testing on the, uh, 161. So that handheld link 16. So I got obviously through that test. Cause it was like, a, uh, it was almost like a two year test. Like I got really smart on data links.
0: Um, nice. So
1: uh, I wound up doing that for about two years. And then here recently, um, one of the guys, interestingly enough, that I was testing one of their products for something else. He calls me out of the blue. He's like, hey, man, are you looking for a job? I'm like, I'm not looking. What do you got? And, um, you know, I got offered a senior product manager job at uh, Galvion, which is a, you know, a company that make helmets uh, and they do hubs and cables. So like, you know, all that stuff for it, like an at ATAC. So the hubs and cables that do all your ATAC stuff. Oh, yeah, sell yeah. That and then power management stuff. So, yeah, it's been a pretty, it's been a great job. You know, I've been there almost a year now, I guess. Yeah, crap. November of a year. Nice. So, it was definitely definitely a nice move, Uh, you know, into those guys that, you know, think your network isn't anything, man, like, got to keep that network going, got to keep building it and, you know, maintain those contacts because, you know, you never know when someone's going to call out of the blue and offer you a really good job or, you know, just having that fallback to. too. Right, right. Um, but, it's been awesome and then um, you know other things i've gotten into so um, as i moved back into my hometown uh, thankfully i got a house right before i got priced out of the community uh, <laughs> i kind of noticed some things going on you know and like i was like i don't really like the way this is going you know like i started looking at school budgets and stuff like that and got really frustrated with the way they were doing things you know so i started to speak up at meetings that wasn't going anywhere so i said you know what i'm just gonna run for so I ran for election last year, uh, didn't make it. I think it was like a hundred votes short And this year. I wound up getting elected nice. uh, by 85 votes. So it's been, it's been really cool. So, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff, and get a lot of input there and, I don't know, just dipping my toe into government, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there, but it's been pretty rewarding there. And, you know, we're, like I'm having a say on a couple of schools are building in town, you know, I get to say on, you know, how we're going to do stuff, which is, which is really nice, you know, again, because, uh, you know, it's one of those things. If you're not going to be part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Right. So figure out what my money or my mouth is and get involved, which it's it's been, a, it's been a good experience since, and you know, like that's another thing, you know, I, I would uh, tell guys to explore, man, like, you know, get out of your comfort zone, do things you don't think were possible or, you know, things that you never really thought of, because uh, it's, you know, you can have some rewarding experiences out of it. You know, it's, it's good getting tied back into my community because I was gone for 24 years. So, um, you know, I getting tied back in here and then along with that, uh <clears throat> I got really active in the veteran community. So um I'm the historian at the Legion in my town, um, the secretary at the VFW. Um, and I'm also the sergeant at arms at the Legion Riders for my post too. So you know nice. a lot of charity motorcycle rides and stuff like that, which is really good. Um, you know, it's uh, and of course being part of the Legion's and the VFW is good too, because you need to do that community outreach and you know help out guys that need stuff. And it's just a nice man, like you know, you know, one of the because in my town there's not not huge military presence, right? So like a lot of the, especially the VFW members are a lot older, you know. So they, it's just really nice to help them out, you know, because they, you know, they get a need and you know we can help them out, which is you know pretty rewarding, right? You know those guys are like World war II guys and Korea guys, you know, getting into the Vietnam guys now, which is kind of weird. Uh, you know, cause the,
0: you know,
1: World War two guys are kind of like, not really there anymore.
0: Sure. Uh, so yeah,
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been good. You know, I've been getting involved there and then, you know, as part of that, I, uh, kicked, I, uh, crossed off a bucket list item this year, went to uh, Normandy for D-Day.
0: Oh, right on.
1: Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Um, and actually I met up with Bobby Penn. Oh, really? Bobby, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We met up. We, uh. We stayed in St. Marigleese. I was across the street from the church where the paratrooper got stuck. Oh yeah. On, on the roof. So it was pretty wild. And then <laughs> um, I think the coolest part of the trip is one of Bobby's friends um is part of one of the jump teams and he invited us along because he knew, you know, we knew we were jumpers or whatever. He invited us along on um, the night of the June fifth and June sixth. Um, he invited us out to drop zone alpha because they had a little small ceremony out there and then you know there's like thirty dudes by cell phone light at midnight 01 when the first paratrooper supposedly left the door. Uh, we all did a memorial shot uh, on drop zone alpha. So it was pretty, oh, pretty cool awesome. to be part of that. You know, yeah. uh, and it was, you know, it was like a small intimate crowd too. You know, so it was, wasn't like a big, you know, because most of the stuff at D-Day there, especially in St. Mayor and in and, you know, Omaha, Utah around that time is very touristy. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't, you know, it was just like, you know, 30, 30, uh, 30 guys at midnight. So it was pretty cool.
0: Oh man. That'd have been super cool. And but, uh, you're also the TACP Association Northeast yeah. rep, right? Okay. Yeah, so. TACP
1: Northeast rep. Yeah. Also so if anybody so about, anybody
0: listening is like has any issues or you know wants to reach out, you're the guy up there in the Northeast, so that's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So me and Josh, Josh Adams are the uh, two Northeast reps. So. Okay. Basically, New England, New Jersey, New York. Um, I can't remember. There's a couple more states. But yeah, pretty much anywhere northeast is us. So if you got any needs, by all means, reach out. I'm, I'm here to help. And, you know, even if it's just you want to BS or something or talk about life, dude, whatever uh, whatever folks need, man.
0: That's awesome. Well, this has been great, man. This is, oh, man, I, I knew it was going to be this way. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and, and uh, sharing all this stuff. I mean, it's really, I, you and I have interacted a lot, um, but it wasn't to the point of all of this stuff. So I'm glad I got to hear all these details and all these stories. I mean, it's really cool. And uh, it's good catching up with you, man. It's I haven't seen you in so long. So it's been nice to, you know, touch base and all that. For sure.
1: No, definitely great catching up. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate the, uh, you know, the invite and everything. And I think it's awesome what you're doing, you know, capturing all the tech, the history and, you know, getting the uh, firsthand accounts, because that's one of the things I, you know, again, started to realize was uh, as those World War II vets are you no, know, no longer with us, you know, in Normandy, it's like, you know, some of these stories that they had will never be captured. And you're really doing that and making a history of tech So It's pretty, pretty awesome what you're doing, man. I, I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think that, Um, I think it's important, you know, to kind of get exposed, not only just capture them, but like expose people to these stories as well. Like they, I think our tech P career field has been kind of under the radar for a long time. and uh, And there's so many guys like you and, you know, all the guys I've talked to are just, there's so many good dudes out there that, yeah, I think some, they need a little recognition, I think, for what they do. Definitely. All right, brother. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on here. This is great. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, keep in touch and uh, let me know what you're up to.
1: Yeah, for sure. Take it easy. And uh, thanks for everything, man.